Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 121 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and I'm finally joined again by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How the heck are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I am very caffeinated. I'm ready to go. It's good to be back. It's been, what, a month now since I've recorded? Yeah, I think we recorded, or I recorded an episode with Lauren on June 27th-ish, and then I think prior to that, you and I recorded on the 20th of last month. So it's been over a month since you and I have been behind the mics together. Yeah, it's good to be back. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Well, we'll be back um, next week to <laughs> yeah. talk about... Welcome um, to Otaku Brothers. See you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, today's going to be a pretty laid-back episode. We're going to talk about the games that we've been playing over the past month or so. Um, we got some excitement for Colorado. We're going out there in a month for our bro trip. And then we also kind of want to revisit, uh, you know, we talked about going into this year, our most anticipated games, the games we were super pumped for, and we figured we'd revisit the games we've played so far this year, our beats, uh, what our potential game of the year is uh, for a game that maybe we haven't played yet that we're looking forward to over the horizon here. So a lot of fun stuff, but overall pretty chill. But as we always do here on Otaku Brothers, if you're new, we talk about our weeks, or in this case, our month, uh, about what's been going down. So, Ryan, any any news to report to the good people? Yeah, I guess I'm one year older now. Uh, oh, that's begin- right. Yeah, so beginning of July, I turned 29, so I am rounding out my 20s. It's weird. Like, you came over, I think we hung out the day before your birthday, and then you came over, and your head just, all your hair went gray. Dude, then it fell out, and now I'm bald. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. So- 29 is a big year. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's like flipping a switch. Like, all my joints don't work anymore. Like, I have a bionic hip. Mm. I'm waiting for my second one, like your dad. Her, he has knees or hips? He had his hip replaced, yeah. Yeah, so I can't walk through security at airports without just lightening everything up. Mm. So, yeah, so that happened. Um, just been hanging out. I uh, hung out with Nikki, who's family friend mm. and she had never watched anime before whoa she'd, she'd only watched one i forget the name of it it was about an elevator and then like just anime stuff like the very japanese anime okay so i sh- we watched the first season of castlevania which is i think a good transition if you're gonna wade into that ocean of content i would start with like my neighbor totoro but all right castlevania works yeah, I mean, she liked The Witcher, so this is kind of like The Witcher. Okay. When it comes, just it's violent action and good humor. So yeah, uh, it, it's I don't know if it's a slippery slope, but there is a a large range of genres when it comes to anime, mm-hmm. and you can go very like stereotypical, like schoolgirl anime, or you can go like DBZ. Think, yeah, that. Castlevania is kind of more the American side, and then I think Full Metal, I think, is what I recommended next. Mm. Was she digging it? I haven't caught up with her to see if she started it. She binge-watched Castlevania in, like, five days, all four seasons. So she enjoyed that, then? She really enjoyed that one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. So slowly corrupting the the people around me with anime. Mm. That's a good thing. And then I finished the Aragon series. 
Wow. How many books is that? Four? Four. Okay. Yeah. So it's about, I listened to it on Audible. So shout out to Audible, our new sponsor. Yes. <laughs> if you go to audible.com and enter Otaku Bros, you're going to get a 10% discount on all future purchases. So yeah, it's actually an increased cost of 10% because we're not sponsored, but <laughs> go to Audible. It's great. Um, so yeah, I finished the series. It's about 120 hours. I think the middle two books are like 32 hours each. The first one was about 20. The last one I think was around 30. It was great. I loved it. Pretty conclusive, satisfying ending? Yes, it was perfect. I ended up listening to... I mean, you're obviously progressing through and you have like a final boss mm-hmm. of series. Like Voldemort would be the final boss of Harry Potter. There was a final boss of this series... Um, I re-listened to that fight a few times just oh. to get the full like gravity of it, um, and then I listened to the, like the last kind of wrap up, um, the last hour and a half or so, a couple times as well. It, it ended in a great. I don't know if it's satisfying. It's bittersweet for okay. how it ends, which is, I think, the best way to end a series like this. Mm-hmm. Um, to have everything neat and tidy and everyone's happy after, like, the crazy, tyrannical emperor that uh, ruled everything, I don't think you can end with everyone being happy. So, like, the same way Harry Potter, like, one of the twins died. Mm-hmm. It's, Spoiler it's alert for yeah. Deathly Hallows ten years later. <laughs> yeah. Or all the movies. Yeah, it's... To have whichever one, Fred or George, one of them died and one of them lost an ear. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I think stuff like that happened that's a little bittersweet. Hmm. So, yeah. What great. about, um? I know the first one you were talking about is very much a new hope. Did the later books get a little bit more original? Yeah, it did. Okay. Um, so it's a lot of the major kind of turning points in the story are based off of like a prophecy that's, in the first book. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. like, that's kind of big milestones within the story. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I guess it gets more unique after the first book. Okay, well, good stuff. Do you want it to be, I know there was that first film that was terrible, but would you like kind of a Netflix series or film adaptation at this point, or would you kind of just want it to stay in the books and be done with it? I mean, I would love to do to have them do it well. Yeah. Um. Who would you want to cast as the main character? Because it was like some blonde dude that I don't think has ever been in a movie since in the movie that flopped. Uh, I don't know actors' names. I, I I think they cast Arya, which is the elf girl, well. I, I don't know. I th- And they cast um, Brom really well, mm. which is like the, the sage storyteller guy, who which, is, which was in Aragon's village um, of Car- Carvajal. But yeah, I I would love to see it come back. It, you would have to commit to all four, though, to have it wrap up well. Yeah. You'd have to have a money for... <laughs> my, dude, my voice. It's been a long time since I podcasted, and uh, you know Rusty has those voice cracks on Otaka Brothers all the time. It just it, it adds to your charm. It does. I think so. Yeah. So yeah, I think if they end up committing to all four, and if it was a series, probably like four seasons to go through four books. Okay. Um, yeah, some like similar to like how The Witcher did ten episodes. So you're not shoving an entire thirty hour book into two hours because you miss a lot. Mm-hmm. Like the first book, they introduce um 
So they go to Farthendor, which is kind of like that dwarf city. Dude, and you could be making up stuff right now. I would have no idea. Okay. So you're, you're yeah. talking as if, like, I just read the book yesterday or something. Yeah, I think I was, like, one of the episodes I went back to try to go through the games I've been playing recently. And I was talking about Monster Hunter monster names. And it just, I was like, oh, yeah. And then, like, the Basil Goose versus the Devil Joe. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Now you know how I feel on literally every episode of Otaku Brothers when you start talking about pretty much anything. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way that... Like in our earlier episodes when you're listing off like old YouTubers, you're like, oh yeah, this dude from this time, obviously. But if you don't know who Pete Dorr is, you might as well not listen to this podcast, all right? I have learned who Pete Dorr is. Yeah. Trust me, you remind me every episode at least three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think if they were to do like a 10 episode series per book, that would be great. Nice. Yeah. So now I st- uh, there's a few options, and you had posted in the Discord the Dune trailer. And oh, I yeah. had, la- I think earlier this week, I was looking at a different trailer before that one came out. I was like, oh, this looks really interesting. And I think it was Stephen Colbert read it when he was a kid. And he was interviewing the actors and the directors, and he said it's an in- influential influential book. So I got that one. And then I also got Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings, because mm. I've always wanted to hear the differences between the movies and the books. Fellowship of the Rings. Sorry, I have to do a minor correction there, otherwise it's going to bug the hell out of me. You said Fellowship of the Rings. There's just one. Dude, one. I pluralize everything. I know you do, but there's only one ring to rule them all, so let's not That's mess true. up the lore here. Yeah, so Fellowship of the Ring. There it is. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know, maybe five hours into that one. Um, There's some interesting differences, and then there's a lot more information about Frodo, and the part in the Shire is a lot longer. He basically goes through the entire line of the Hobbits, which they do in the extended edition, so in the original film adaptation, they don't really go into all of the Shire lore, but if you watch the extended edition, it talks through each of the different Hobbit families. Yeah. And it describes the way they're different, and that's what Tolkien does in the book. Yeah, and in... I think Bilbo goes through the same long spiel of all of the Hobbit houses when he is doing his speech. Mm-hmm. Like Bilbo, or like Longfoots, whatever, all of them. And it's interesting. I didn't realize Sam lived under Bag End. Like mm-hmm. the, so he was there. And then uh, Frodo and I guess his uncle. Uh, I, I want to say Bobbity, but that's Dragon Ball Z. What's his name? Bilbo? Bilbo and Frodo. Dude, they, they have this... What is wrong with you today? I don't know. I don't know. So he was... They have the same birthday. Didn't realize that. And Frodo's 33 mm-hmm. at the party. And then he's 50 when he goes out on his journey. Exactly. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's kind of like an overnight thing, but... It's very much not. And then a lot of the dialogue from... I think it was Moria in like the movies where they sit down, they lost their way, and he's telling them about Smeagol and, like, the sadness there. Like, you shouldn't... Who are you to pick who lives and dies? Like, that line from Moria, he says it in Bag End. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of, like, placement of dialogue. Um, But, yeah, it's actually very true to the dialogue in the book. It's crazy. It's moved around a little bit, but it's very much there. Peter Jackson is a wizard, dude. Yeah, and I think he he's an Istari. Yeah, 
Yes. So I, I think uh, the more I listen to that book, the more appreciation I'm going to have for how amazing those movies are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah. So what about you? How was your week, month? It's been pretty good. Um, so work is still pretty busy. I've been really tired recently. I think yeah. earlier this week, maybe it was Wednesday, I signed off of work at around 4.30 and I lay down on the couch and I took a four-hour nap. So I woke up like around 8.30 and then I kind of just went to bed, put on Family Guy or The Simpsons or something and just passed out. And then yesterday, no, with today's Sunday. So Friday, we had a work outing, like a little picnic thing. And then afterwards, we went to a brewery. And then I came home around seven and I fell asleep and didn't wake up until like nine. And then I went right to bed. So I've just been super tired, mainly because of work, but also um, we had a little bit of a traumatic event on Tuesday. I'll tell that story here shortly. Are you usually a nap person? Oh, yeah, I'm a big napper. Oh, are you? Yeah, but I'm okay. someone that can take a 20-minute nap, and it feels like I just drank, like, three cups of coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what's your normal nap routine throughout the week? Or is it, like, an everyday thing, or how often? Not really, because I, I kind of like the Energizer Bunny where I just keep going, and I'm also someone that can wake up and go from zero to 100 super fast, where Lauren is someone who needs to eat something, needs to drink some coffee, needs, like, three hours of prep time to kind of just, like, get her bearings, I'm yeah. kind of the opposite, so I'm kind of ready for that kid kid mode where, you know, Pete, little little kids are jumping on us, freaking out. <laughs> That's and, good. You're, and you're, Lauren's gonna be like, "I'm gonna need some coffee. I'm gonna need the magical elixir, and you guys need to just screw off and let Dad." <laughs> I'm just picturing like a Kanye West. Hold up a minute. I'll <laughs> let you finish. You can cry in a bit. Give me. Let me. Uh, Beyonce had the best album. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my my nap routine. I don't nap very often anymore. In college, I did all the time um, because I come back from a class or I come back from the gym and I might have three or four hours before my next whatever. And I would take, you know, 30 minute nap, hour nap, whatever it might be. Nowadays, I don't nap very much anymore. Um, But I'm sure when we have kids, any chance I can get like 30 minutes of sleep will be be good. Actually, speaking of Lord of the Rings, so Elijah Wood, who, of course, played Frodo in those movies, he um, would nap all the time on set to the point where he was so exhausted because obviously he was the one that was being filmed probably the most. Yeah. He would just be napping on set and then Peter Jackson would just be like, Elijah. And then he would just wake up and then boom, just do a take. Like within seconds of waking up. That's nuts. Uh, Because he was just so tired all the time. I need to go back and rewatch the behind the scenes because, I mean... The more and more you hear stories about like how crazy the whole filming of that was and like it, it's pretty intense. They, I mean, they filmed what three movies in over a little bit over a year or under two years. It was 18 months and I think they were on set for like 284 days or something like that. Yeah, that must have been insane. Like how close you get with everyone for that intense. Well, speaking of, I know we're, we keep going back to um, the Lord of the Rings, but the Billy Boyd, who played Pippin, and Dominic uh, Monaghan, who played Mary, have a podcast now called The Friendship Onion. Really? And it's a lot about going deeper into what it was like on set, how close those two got, but also how close they were with Elijah. Um, how the, it, They just tell all kinds of stories that probably aren't even in the behind-the-scenes commentary from yeah. the films if you buy the extended editions or whatever. So 
Um, check out the Friendship Onion. They already have like 10 episodes or so. They also invite people like Elijah Wood and other folks to come on and do little little bits. So really good podcast, super entertaining. What those guys, uh, the Friendship Onion. Friendship Onion. And those two are just in sync. They have just magical chemistry. It's, it's so good. Um, so definitely check it out. But yeah, getting back to my week, uh, my month, if you will. So Lauren wraps up her master's in just a few short weeks. And so she's just been uber stressed with work and her master's and she's been super tired. So her and I have been um, cooking together. We we signed up for HelloFresh about two months ago um, just because like we don't really have the time right now to cook meals or go out to the grocery store and buy significant amounts of food. And we got tired of um, ordering in all the time. It was just financially kind of a burden. So we figured what's a good way that we can do this uh, and save some money. And HelloFresh was a pretty good way of doing that. So we've been making meals together. We've been watching a lot of movies at night, which has been great while she's still like doing school stuff. Yeah. So this past week, we actually went through all of the Daniel Craig Bond films. Oh, cool. Because she had never seen anything but Skyfall, uh, which I couldn't believe. So those are some of my favorite, well, certainly Bond films. I'm not really well-versed um, beyond uh, Pierce Brosnan, but... Um, Pierce Brosnan, is that the parent, not parent trap guy? I'm trying to think. There's been like 12 Bonds. Well, he was in Missed Outfire, which is probably what you're thinking of. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. GoldenEye. And, okay, yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so she'd never seen those. So it was great revisiting them. I'd actually never seen Spectre, which is the fourth and most recent Bond film. How was that? Because I've, I've started it and never got far. It was really good. Okay. Yeah. I love Q, um, who's kind of the gadget guy. Yeah, um, no, he's great. He was really well cast, and his chemistry with Daniel Craig is just phenomenal. So um, Spectre really, Spectre and Quantum of Solace are 10, like, People tend to look at those or look down on them as not being super great. Um, Quantum of Solace, it's a little uninspired, but I think it's still a really fun movie. Um, but Skyfall is terrific, and Spectre I thought was excellent as well. And then Casino Royale, uh, Casino Royale is just great. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Um, it made me want an Aston Martin. Yeah. So bad. It made me want to play poker, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, that's, those are just great movies and Lauren loved them too. So that's been a lot of fun. We watched, um, Extraction a couple nights ago, that Chris Hemsworth movie, yeah, which is really one. great. So yeah, it's just been fun for her and I to just kind of, um, reconnect a little bit more because obviously since she's been so in the books over the past, you know, six to eight months, I've been kind of up in the game room a lot, yeah. uh, but more recently she's kind of had more tedious, mindless work. So we've been downstairs watching movies, cooking together, listening to some good tunes. So that's been great. But Tuesday night was particularly interesting. So um, I really haven't had a chance since I've been in the office to connect with my boss in person. So my boss, my boss's boss, among a few of my other colleagues, went out for a couple drinks. And it was around 6, 630. Um, I dipped out. And just before I got to my car, I texted Lauren and said, I'm on my way home. Not 30 seconds later, she calls me and I can tell she'd been recently crying and she's like, I'm freaking out was basically the first thing she says. And I'm like, what's going on? She says, when I got home, I got in the shower and just before I took a shower, I took my earrings out and put them on the counter just next to the shower. When I got out of the shower, the earrings were gone. And I'm like, so you think Scoob ate them? And she's like, yes. 
And I was like, all right, well, have you called the vet? And she said, yes. And she just closed and she said, take him to MedVet immediately, which is kind of like the emergency medical place you take your pets for something that you can't take your vet to. Yeah. Um, so at this point, she started crying. I get in the car and she's like, what do I do? And I said, take him to MedVet. I'm going to go home and change. I'll meet you guys there in 20 minutes. And she said, okay. So I get in the car. I'm driving home. She goes to MedVet. I go home, change, book it over to MedVet. I get there in about 15 minutes. They had just taken Scoob into the building and Scoob or Lauren's in her car just beside herself crying because Lauren is like really, 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 really stressed with school right now yeah, and the house and work and everything else. So this is literally like the last domino that she needed to kind of just break. So she was just a mess and freaking out and wondering like what's going on how could this happen and i'm like well, what was his demeanor when he ate the earrings because typically scoob one doesn't eat anything or go for anything except for socks like even if a giant steak is sitting there on the coffee table and i go in the kitchen and get a drink or something like that he'll sit there and stare at the steak he won't go for it That's good. because he knows that he shouldn't and then even if he were to eat something like that he immediately comes to either Lauren or I and cowers knowing that he did something he wasn't supposed to. Yeah. And also I said, and he didn't do any of those things after he supposedly ate these earrings. So I said, okay, that's, that's weird to me. And I said, so what happened after you got out of the shower? And she said, I went outside with him and I was throwing the ball and he was just acting like himself. And I'm like, if he ate earrings, he would be immediately in discomfort. He would be in pain. Yeah. So I'm like, this, this just how, is... How long are the ear Like, would they puncture? Or they're they... about the size of a nickel. Okay. Both so they're pretty big. They're, they're relatively big. I mean, oh. they're not those giant hoops, but like they're they're big enough where if they went down his, his throat and into his stomach, they would hurt. Okay. Like he would feel the little needle somewhere. Yeah. Right? All right. And so immediately this isn't adding up to me and I'm like, okay, um... And then when you brought him in or when you put him in the car and everything, he was he was fine. And she said, yeah, he was he was just himself. Um, He obviously basically magnetized his body to the seat when they tried to take him out of the car. But other than that, he was himself. Like, okay, this is weird. And she just started crying. And, you know, just this is the last thing I needed this week. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. I'm like, when was the last time you ate something? She said, I don't remember. And I'm like, okay, well, it's probably gonna be a while before we hear back from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go get some food. What do you want? She said Taco Bell. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, I can do that. Um, the most depressing thing about this whole experience, though, was when they took Scoob, I got out of the car and I was just kind of trying to comfort Lauren. I wasn't in the car with her. I was just standing outside of hers. All of the cars that we were looking at were just people waiting to hear back and they were just bawling their eyes out. It was just a bunch of people in the same shoes as us, not knowing what's going to happen to your pet. Because, like, you know now, like, you grow attached to your pets. Like, they are just as much of, like, a child to you as a human child, basically. If you haven't been a parent, or even if you have, you'll do anything for them. Yeah, no, it's insane. Like, it's, like, the family pet, like, it's... it's your, like, Snickers or Amber, it's your family pet, everyone cares for it. But when it's, like... They solely rely on you to, like, live for everything. And it's not like your parents can go out and walk them or they pay for the food. It's like, this dog literally, I'm its world kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I would, yeah, I'd fight through, like, an army. Yeah, I mean, the- 
and then even if you have to pay for something, it's like here's a blank check, whatever you need. Yeah, you know, no, here every shot. Get, sh- yeah, let's go. So they they called Lauren and they said, "Hey, are you comfortable with us giving him medicine to to induce vomiting?" And yeah. we were basically just like, "Yes, do whatever you need to do." So I book it and I go get food and I wanted to get Chipotle. So of course the first Chipotle I go to, I walk in, and this kid says. Yeah, so the first time it's ever happened, all of our systems are down. Uh, we can't place an order either by cash or credit card. And I'm like, all right, that sucks. So yeah. then I GPS to a different Chipotle, went there, ended up going to Taco Bell, getting Lauren's stuff. And then I got another call from her and she's like, where are you at? Because at this point, 30 minutes had gone by. Yeah. And I'm like, don't worry about it, basically, because I didn't want to tell her that the systems were down at this place. Then I had to yeah. go to another place. I'm like, what's the status? And this is when she just really just broke. She said they had some emergency patients or emergency pets. It's going to be four hours before they can see Scooby. And at this point, it's 830 already. And so they're not going to be able to see him until, you know, 12 o'clock in the morning. And I said, all right. So did they tell us just to go home for the meantime? And then she was just like, yes, you know, just freaking out. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I got our food. Go home. We'll figure it out. We'll be okay. We'll just wait it out. So we drive home. She gets home before me. Of course, I walk in the door and she's just melting. And um, I said, it's going to be okay. I'm like, did you go back into the bathroom and just check to see what's going on? Like, did you look everywhere in the bathroom? Mm -hmm. Did they fall through the vent? Did they fall between a crack? Like, are you missing something? Are they in a pocket? Did you not even take them out before you went in the shower? Like, retrace your steps. We go in the bathroom. We can't find them. And I'm just like, fuck. This is going to be a long night. Yeah. So I go back out in the living room. I pour a whiskey on the rocks because this is just rough. And then I sit on the couch and I'm texting my boss because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm either not coming into work tomorrow or I'm not signing on until probably later in the afternoon. So I'm in the middle of texting my boss and then Lauren screams my name. She found the earrings. They fell between the sink and like the, the closet door. Thank God. And I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh. So now I'm thinking like. Do I take a day off anyway for this? That, place? but also like we probably have a $2,000 bill just for bringing him to MedVet. So we go back. They only charged us $17 for the medicine to medically induce vomiting. And that was it. That's insane. Like yeah. fucking walking into the ER is a like a $2,000 tab. Yeah. Dude, our bill at Taco Bell was more than what it cost to take Scoob to MedVet. Your your probably gas bill between your two cars is more than MedVet. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So we got so lucky. Scoob was like probably traumatized of like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You're freaking out. Everyone's crying. (laughs) Why did you give me this medicine to... I'm just puking everywhere. Holy shit. Yeah. I so was like on the edge of my seat. I was like, he's still here. So he's obviously good, but like, yeah. damn. So it was a rough, rough. And that probably is why Wednesday I took like a 12 hour nap and haven't, you know. Yeah. No kidding. Lori's um, the masters to be done. Like, yeah. Sometimes she's just stupid when it comes to all of her obligations she signs herself up for. I know. And, and I she, basically. She does it to herself. And like. It's great she's motivated and has, like, all of the drive, but, like, holy shit, just... Yeah. She needs to not... No doctorates, like... No. Wait a while before you get some more certifications. Well, in my Jesus. wedding vows, I literally said, like, I love the planner in you, yeah. but I'm going to do my absolute best to pull you back to Earth when you're out in space planning to, like, take over the world. 
I didn't say it like that, but I you, you kind of the messaging was there. <laughs> so I told her that like after the masters, nothing like no, you know, hanging out with this person, making plans with that person. I want your butt firmly planted on the couch. I want you to be playing switch video games, ordering in as much food as you want and not lifting a finger because you just need to veg out and completely unplug. Yeah, um, so no that's kidding. the plan uh, for the week we're out in Colorado is to just do nothing. Yeah, I think she's starting Blind Forest or Ori in the Blind Forest because mm-hmm. I'm on that kick and it's just, it's so relaxing. Like I was listening to the Will of the Wisp soundtrack on the way here. Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, they're both just flawless. Mm-hmm. Just all the flutes and just, it, it feels like you're caught on the wind and you're just a, like a, a leaf like flying. Oh, have you have you ever seen Firefly? Firefly, like the TV show with Nathan Fillion. You've given me the movie to watch before. Serenity. I well, like one of the the main quotes in that movie is "I'm a leaf in the wind." <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, "Are you high?" <laughs> like you, are you, but no. Yeah, you need to watch. I Firefly. do need to watch it because you you talk that movie up. You should go home today and watch Firefly the show and then watch the movie. Only, the thing that kills me is it got canceled. Like it's one season that's, and I've heard really good things about it, but that's why it's so special and need to watch it. Yeah. And I then do. Serenity is one well, of my thinking, favorite like science fiction movies ever. I was, I'm on a documentary kick. So I'm thinking of going back and watching the Bo Burnham thing this afternoon. Oh, please do that. So yeah. Cause I watched, uh, it was to make a tyrant last night because it was like top 10, like trending on Netflix and it looked interesting and I heard good things about it, but that's another one I wanted to watch as well. So I was probably going to watch that this afternoon as I played some games. Yeah. Bo Burnham's inside hits a little too close to home at times. Um, but it really captures the essence of what it was like in quarantine and to see someone of celebrity status, write Such perfectly like lyrically, it's just, it's masterfully done. Um, but to capture the essence of like what someone of celebrity status was going through and it basically mirrors like Lauren and I have just kind of like wasting away in an apartment, not doing anything in mental decay almost and going nuts. Yeah. And that's what he basically puts into song form. And there's also just a lot of like satire and, you know, he, comedy. he's a funny dude. He's hilarious. Yeah. And, um, I actually watched Bo Burnham's inside for the first time about two weeks ago and it's just so spot on so good i was laughing out loud funny um and also kind of crying a little bit inside like wow that was a really depressing few months um yeah yeah we're social social creatures and uh, locking us up for years (laughs) probably not the best for everyone yeah so so yeah um that's pretty much what went down uh the past month for me yeah that's intense i yeah I'm glad he's okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> you, glad you guys are okay. Yeah. Oh, fuck. But yeah, it's, it was also one of those things where we didn't tell anyone. I literally only texted my buddy, uh, Sean, who's probably listening to the show, and my friend Caitlin, because I needed to tell someone. Yeah. But I didn't want to involve the family not knowing if it was real or not. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's like no harm, no foul, so like no reason to be bring it up, because he's like... It would just induce panic. When I didn't want the influence of 
the parents saying like, well, don't take them to MedVet because it's going to be super expensive. Wait it out and take Scoob to the vet tomorrow. I would have been like, fuck off. Scoob is my life and we're taking him wherever yeah, he... Yeah, we'll take out a fucking loan. Yeah. <laughs> we'll replace all of his limbs and all of his organs. Whatever it takes yeah. for Scoob, all right? No, I'm, I'm glad he's okay. Me too, me too. But let's please move on to happier things, Ryan. Let's talk about the games that we've been playing over the last month, but also the things that we've been watching. I know you've been watching some pretty good movies and maybe some TV shows, so... Why don't you kick things off? Yeah, so I've watched a few things. I mean, Aragon, as I talked about earlier, so that's my kind of dog walking. Um, when I walk at the gym, I listen to my books. Um, and then I talked about Castlevania. Um, I talked briefly briefly about the documentary I watched yesterday, which is How to Become a Tyrant. Mm. Definitely recommend. It's really interesting. Uh, it's I think it's in... They, it's a newly released documentary, voiced or narrated by Peter Dinklage. Oh, Tyrion. Of Tyrion fame. Nice. Um, and pretty much all dwarf roles ever. He's mm-hmm. just amazing. Mm-hmm. So it goes through a few of the like major dictators throughout history um, and how they like kept their power, how they came to power, and kind of like the different ways throughout this like tyrant playbook. Hmm. Um, it, it's fascinating. It's six episodes. They're like 30 minutes each. So it's a pretty quick binge worthy show. Um, definitely worth the watch. Um, and then I watched Loki. Oh, that nice. series. In the how, last how was month. that? Probably my favorite spinoff series from the Marvel universe so far. Okay. So we've had WandaVision and then Bird Guy and Winter Soldier. Yeah, What's Captain, his name? Captain Falcon and the Winter Captain Soldier. Captain Falcon, yes. And the first, like, Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier wasn't terrible. It, I'm not super in love with those characters. Mm-hmm. And it's not as interesting to me. So, I mean, that kind of, but the action was really good. Like, the first episode with Captain Falcon flying around was awesome. Nice. WandaVision, I've stated that case poorly paced and like the shorter episodes were bad mm-hmm. and i think they've with loki loki being a beloved character kind of magical and out in the universe and not as grounded as on earth but elsewhere mm-hmm. um made for a good watch i think it was six episodes they're all about an hour each so they're taking i mean my complaint from wandavision uh, and making these longer kind of half movie episodes, which are great. Really interesting. I guess the main premise, I'm not going to spoil anything, is the TVA, which is the time variance something. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically say that variant in Endgame that Loki took that Tesseract and went to a different timeline, which shouldn't have happened. They said that's breaking the sacred timeline. And they said, basically, you're in trouble. We don't want to disturb the sacred timeline. And then they're trying to catch a different variant. It's basically variants from the other universes or timelines that are kind of breaking. It's all about time travel, basically. Okay. okay. To not get confusing. Worth the watch. Really fun. Interesting characters. Um, and then it sets up, I think, uh, Doctor Strange and the next Spider-Man. Mm, okay. So Very cool. Yeah, this is kind of, if you're going to go in understanding those, because those are about, it's like the multiverse of madness, I think is the second headline to Doctor Strange 2. And it's all about like the multiverse and different timelines. So you'll need to understand, 
the villain from Loki is going to be the villain in that one. Okay, very cool. Um, so definitely worth the watch. It's easy binge. They're all out now, so they're a good time. Good stuff. Uh, the next one is Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, how was that? It was really good. Did you watch the first Godzilla and like the King Kong that's part of this bigger universe, this new timeline of movies? <laughs> yes, I think so. Is the Kong Skull Island the one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the one with Loki in it. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, Hiddleston. Yeah. Um, and then the Millie Bobby Brown Godzilla as well, I think, is the one you're talking about. Yeah. And it has Brian Cranston. That's right. Yeah. So, see, I knew a name. Wow. Good, good <laughs> I, I deserve a cookie or a pat on the back or something. But well, we'll figure out yeah. something after the show. So, um, yeah, Breaking Bad, dude. Um, I have. I have watched both of those. I think I own Skull Island. That was a fun, interesting watch. And then... Uh, the first Godzilla, I don't remember anything of the plot. I just remember Godzilla did Godzilla things. Mm-hmm. And then the, I think there was also the Godzilla, like the King of the Dragons or something, where she had all the villains like Mothra, three-headed dragon guy. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them except for Kong Skull Island. I have Godzilla, but I just haven't gotten around to watching them. Yeah, watching Both the films. Godzillas are a lot of fun. Okay. Um, well, do you, you ever see um, the Godzilla in like the late 90s with Matthew Broderick? I don't think so. I'd have to look up what you're talking about. It wasn't super great, but I remember fo- watching it fondly as a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy the character. It's it's interesting, their take on it. The action in this one, though, is really good. Um, I mean, it's obviously Kong versus Godzilla is the main premise and the title, so they're obviously going to fight at some period. Um, good action, great CGI. Um, Millie Bobby Brown is still in this one. It's a lot of fun. Cool. I'm not going to spoil anything. Worth the watch. We were originally going to do an episode where we reviewed this because um, I think we had the intention of having like episodes where we review movies, and <laughs> then it, we did one, and then we had good intentions with like Train to Busan, and then this. But life. And we'll stuff. get back to it. We'll yeah. get back to our talking brothers reviews. Um. So yeah, worth the watch for sure. Cool. And then I think. There's two movies that we watched together. That's there's, right, yeah. There's one we watched yesterday, and then Fast and the Furious 9. Yeah, we saw F9 in theaters. It was the first movie I saw in theaters probably since Rise of Skywalker, because I don't think I saw anything after that, because that was late 19, 2019. Yeah. And early 2020, I mean, I could have gone to see something like Sonic the Hedgehog, but I, I didn't. So I, I didn't see anything from my recollection in 2020 at all in theaters, so yeah, F9 was my first introduction to the theaters and my experience was pretty terrible because oh, shit. we yeah. go up there and we, you know, you were like, or I asked you, I was like, do you want to get snacks or anything? And you were kind of just like, I don't know, what, what do they have? And I was like, well, let's go up. And I was like in the mood for like a soft pretzel. So I say, you guys have a soft, uh, can I get soft pretzel? And they're like, we're out of those. And I was like, okay, um, what about pretzel bites? We're out of those too. And I was like, nachos? I'm, I'm really sorry. We're out of those too. And I wanted chicken tenders and it's like, Nope, no chicken tenders. And they, they had, I think, popcorn. Yeah, That's eventually it. I was just like, do you have popcorn? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want any. I was just curious if you actually have popcorn. And then the- we kind of just walked off and we're like, this is, you're not really selling us on going back to like, yeah, Paramount Plus, HBO Plus, all the pluses. All the pluses. Just, yeah. It, 
I wanted fucking. I ended up getting chicken tenders later that day Good. in protest of AMC being ass. Seriously, that was awful. But what, what which wasn't awful was F nine. That was it was mediocre, <laughs> <laughs> not awful. <laughs> it was fun, but like I don't know, man. My love for that series just I think in each subsequent film post really fast five just five, yeah. continues to kind of go downhill. And certainly when Paul Walker was removed from the movies because of his tragic passing, my interest in those movies continues to dwindle. And this took things to a new level. Uh, they reset the bar by going to space. I oh, mean, God. there were times like we clearly had people in the theater that were legitimately huge fans of the films because they were cheering as if the the moment in Endgame when um, Captain, Captain America picks yeah. up the hammer and the equivalent of that in a Fast and Furious movie, people were cheering and you and I were just cackling laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was so absurd. Like uh, we went through the plots of the last like three movies leading up to this, like tanks and just submarines and planes. And now they're, they build a rocket ship out of a car and they're in spacesuits, which was in the trailer. So it's not spoilers. But, like, I don't know, man. I, I'm ready for that series to be over. And I I enjoyed all of them so far. And they're, you know what you're getting into. The first five are probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks that Paul Walker can't be more of a part of it because he died. Uh, which is now tragic, being a fan. Um, not that him before was not. But it, it's, it's sad to not be able to make that series better than it is currently because you have to make the plot line he's away with his family putting emphasis on his family Mm -hmm. it's like his family is literally this squad of like bold guy and all of everyone else who comes back to life like six times yeah so yeah i mean (laughs) it was absurd like the act i like we were talking before we even started recording this like what the hell even happened? I think space and like I can't remember anything else except there were some witty lines and there were cars. Pretty yeah. much. I mean, I've... and I also felt like these movies, the length continues to extend. Like I feel like I'm almost watching a Lord of the Rings film with these movie runtimes. I mean, this yeah. movie was, it was like, like two hours. It right? was over two and a half hours. Or it was about two hours and 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, And there were just certain strings of scenes where I was just like, this just didn't even need to happen. This whole conversation is unnecessary. Um, It was fun. It was fine. It's pretty low in my ranking of Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, I'd agree. And it's also pretty upsetting that I read recently. I didn't double click into the article. I just saw the headline that Dwayne The Rock Johnson says he will not be in the 10th movie or the the two-parter of Fast 10. Um, Is it because they have like a falling out? I think so, which... Again, if you can't have Paul Walker there, I'm sure they're going to CGI him in in some fashion because you can't close out this saga without Paul Walker in some um, some form. What's is it like? An, do you think it's an ego thing between uh, Toretto and, or Diesel and The Rock? Mm-hmm. Like you just have too much testosterone and meat and like in one room. I think so. Like, yeah, seriously. The, that's so stupid. I I don't know. That's dumb. Like you've you've been in ten movies, and it's been a franchise for what a decade and a half, mm-hmm. two decades. Yeah, two thousand one was the first movie. This is the twentieth anniversary. Yeah. Just sack it up. 
I'm with you. Um, You know, and we won't go into any spoilers or anything. We can wrap it up. But um, it ends in a way where you kind of just know where the next movie is going to go in terms of like the villain and where the family's at and and all that kind of stuff. But um, it was a good time. It was a fun theater experience. Uh, I would have preferred that we saw the next movie that we'll talk about in the theaters together as my first introduction back to the theaters. But it was fun nonetheless. I'm glad you and I watched it. And I'm glad you were able to catch up on the series in the past couple months. Yeah, and so. then the next movie we watched yesterday mm-hmm. um, instead of recording because you're still recovering from the whole dog episode. Yeah, I was. Um, which I'm sure takes it out of you. Um, we watched Quiet Place 2. Yeah, I didn't know that it was on Paramount Plus until I, I don't know if I read an article or a friend talked to me about it. But um, yeah, I was super excited that it came to Paramount Plus. It's a movie I wish I would have seen in theaters, but I still feel like we recreated it here in the game room. We closed all the blinds, turned off all the lights, jacked up the volume, and man, did that movie deliver on pretty much every way I wanted it to. I didn't think you needed a part two from the first Quiet Place, but watching this movie, I was like, wow, they really did this. Yeah, the, I mean, I yeah, I probably would have flip-flopped the two experiences between Fast 9 and this part two. Uh because, I mean, it was also fun to be on our couch, kind of emulate that experience. You have a big screen TV. But being able to, like, talk throughout the movie was oh, yeah. a lot of fun. Like, mm-hmm. for, for Fast, we would have been like, what the fuck is going on for, like, most of it. Yeah. Um, but, like, talking... It, it doesn't tone down the intensity of it, I don't think. Hmm. Us being here or, like, talking through, like what do you think is going to happen or like that kind of stuff? It, it, I think it heightens the experience. Um, and then similar to you, I didn't think it was necessary that there was a part two, but I, I'm glad they did it. Mm-hmm. It, it f- deepens the characters, kind of sets the stage of these creatures that in the first one are kind of just thrown there. They're on the planet. That's all you need to know. Cause I think the first one starts out with they're in the store with like the airplane and kind of sets a scene. There's no like backstory of what happened. Mm -hmm. And from the, I mean, in the trailers, it shows that they jumped back in time before the first movie and shows that like, as everything kind of hits the fan Mm -hmm. and they don't overstay their welcome and they do enough. I mean, you want more because I want to live I think it was like 470 days, 470 mm-hmm. days or whatever between like the start of it and like the first movie and like a day or two but to the second. Yeah. I mean, you want the you want to see how everything progresses, but I I really like how they did it. Me too. And I, you know, my hat goes off to John Krasinski because he is a phenomenal director and I mean, he maybe direct a couple office episodes, but outside of that, I'm not really sure how much directing experience he has. The first one in my eyes was pretty much a perfect horror film. And this one, like I've seen a lot of horror movies in my time and kind of the perfect length is around an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah. Anything beyond that, like if you have a two hour horror film, like trim the fat, you just want the intensity, the suspense, the oh my gosh moments, the pop scares, the jump scares, the all that kind of stuff. And I feel like this movie is just so perfectly paced. There's moments where like 
they parallel like three storylines at the same time where like one character's over here doing this, one character's here, and then one character's over there. And how he blends those three experiences into like a 10 minute format and you're kind of bouncing between the three of them. And it's almost as if there's parallel experiences going on in all three sections so that they can have like a certain sound or a certain reaction in one scene that yeah, kind of all- like immediately transitions to the next. It's just so well done. Yeah, as they, sh- like the climax of the movie... Like which is the the three storylines kind of converging into a singular point, and then the drop off to the end. It's done really well. And yeah, it's interesting to see actors who direct stuff because that seems to be a similar trend. Maybe to step your feet into the water, or I don't know how common it is, but it seems to be pretty common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he he did a really good job both acting. I, I think he wrote them, right? Him yeah, and his, his wife, or I don't know if Emily Blunt just, had a hand them. in writing. I'm pretty sure he did. Okay, yeah, and then yeah, the I mean, all the actors, the two kids, or I guess three kids. Um, Emily Blunt did a great job, and then everyone they meet along the way did great. So yeah, really good, definitely movie. worth the watch. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can still get out to theaters, I would definitely encourage you to do so. Otherwise, you can watch it on Paramount Plus, but. Um, and you said Paramount Plus is tied in with Amazon Prime. Is that how that works? I think it is, but it's a separate subscription. So, like, you don't have to have Amazon Prime to have Paramount Plus. Okay, but yeah. it's bundled if you have one of them. I'm not really sure how it works. I, I don't know. I just came over and you said, let's watch this. But yeah. just for if people want to watch it on Paramount Plus, I don't know how that works. I think you just get, like, a $5 a month subscription or whatever. Yeah, or free trial if that's a thing, and then cancel and change your email. Probably. <laughs> That's what you do for Hulu. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Quiet Place yeah. 2, really, really good stuff. But uh, I don't know if you watch anything after. Those are the main things I've watched in the last month. Um, if we want, if you want to do the things you've watched, yeah. if you have anything to add, and then I can get into games a little later. Yeah, I'll uh, talk about the things I watched. Um, so kind of going back to the Bond thing. So what I guess I didn't really realize, because I've just been watching the Daniel Craig movies for the past 15 years, um, was just how dark his character is and what he brings to the role in comparison to the earlier Bonds. And so Lorne and I wrapped up Spectre and I was like, all right, let's circle back and let's just go backwards with the Bond movies. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have all the Pierce Brosnan ones. I don't have anything beyond that, but I'm sure I'm eventually going to go to Amazon and order like the collection set of all the Bond movies because uh, I'm just so invested now with the character and so we went back and watched about half of GoldenEye, and that's when I ended up taking like a four-hour nap, I think. Oh, okay. Um, we got about halfway through it, and I'm like, yeah, I need to go to sleep now. Um, but yeah, it was just – part of it's like the 90s cheese, but then also just like – it was amazing how how different a character Daniel Craig brought to the scene. And I'm sure a lot of it was writing. I'm, I'm sure a lot of it was the director. But Daniel Craig is ultimately the person who, you know – stepped into the shoes of the character and I think he just really kind of set a different bar so I'm excited to see what happens after um, I think No Time to Die is the next one that's coming out this year and it's his final Bond movie Mm -hmm. so I'm curious to see what happens beyond that who the next Bond is uh, and where they take that character but something that I tend to do pretty often is like when I start watching something I go like all in on it so like if You're like I, me with a singular video game. Yeah, exactly. So like if I watch Mission Impossible 3, well, now I'm going to watch Mission Impossible 1 through whatever, you know, Ghost Protocol or Rogue Nation, whatever the heck the last uh, Mission Impossible movie is. I'll go through like all of the movies in that series. 
But then I get so invested. I'm like, okay, let's go on eBay or let's search for all of the video games <laughs> tied to this movie franchise yeah. and what move or what video games do I not have? So I'm just curious if there's anyone out there, if they do something similar and it could be different, you know, in the sense that like maybe you play a video game in the series and you're like, wow, that was a darn good video game. Let's go see if there's other video games in this series that maybe I didn't know about mm-hmm. from other console generations. And so you just start researching and, you know, you start clicking that add to cart on eBay and it's a dangerous rabbit hole. But for me, watching the Bond films, I was like, there's a lot of Bond games out there and I pretty much have all of them on PS2. Um, but I knew that there was a string of Bond games on the PS3, Xbox 360 generation that I completely missed out on largely because I was in college and my game playing habits kind of went down the toilet for a while there. Um, so there was a Bond game called like Bloodstone okay. on the PS3 and 360 that was completely unrelated to Bond films, I think. This could be an extreme Chrono's Correction Corner scenario because he's a <laughs> huge James Bond fan, so he might correct me on that one. But I ended up getting uh, Bloodstone and I think Goldeneye like reloaded or something like that, which is completely unrelated to the GoldenEye Wii remake of sorts that came out like around 2008, 2009. Um, So I got that, that bundle of games on PS3. And then some of the other ones that I'd still like to get are Quantum of Solace on the PS3, which I ended up playing on the 360 back in the day, which was really fun. It kind of used the Call of Duty Modern Warfare engine. Okay. So it plays very similar to Call of Duty 4, but you go through the storyline of Quantum of Solace, and I'm sure the the servers are dead at this point, but it actually was a pretty fun game to play online as well. I did a little bit of that back on the 360. So I want to get that on PS3, and then outside of that, I think there's like a weird racing game um, on the PS1 for Bond. Are there any games tied to the new Bond? Just Quantum of Solace. Okay, that's it. I think, unless Bloodstone is weirdly related to, like, Skyfall or Spectre, which I don't think it is. Okay. Um, I think it's a completely unique storyline, but you play it in Daniel Craig's likeness. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I'd have to see, but that's just me. I kind of go nuts when it comes to watching a series of movies. I did it a couple of years ago with The Mummy. Um, because I love the, uh, the Brendan Fraser, Rachel Wise, uh, mommy movies from 1999, 2001 or whatever. Uh, both of the first two are great. Tomb of the Emperor Dragon can screw off because... Is that the one where she's gone? She was pregnant at the time, so they brought in a separate person to play his wife. And I'm like, you just it don't work. do that. Rachel Wise is why, why those movies are so good. Yeah. Uh, and early Brendan Fraser. He's great. But, um, I remember watching through all those movies for like the umpteenth time and I'm, I'm glad I did. I ended up buying The Mummy on PS1 for like eight bucks at the time. But now that game goes for like 50 plus. Oh, wow. Which is very bizarre because it's just kind of like a third person Indiana Jones kind of early Tomb Raider type of game. Um, you would just play through the events of the movie. But I remember renting it long ago from Hollywood Video because, again, I love the movie so much even growing up. And I ended up renting both The Mummy and The Mummy Returns back then. And they're pretty decent games. They're, they're, they're not good by any means, but they're fun if you have an appreciation for the films. Um, but yeah, all of that to say, when I binged those movies a couple years back, similarly, I went and bought um, all of the games tied to the movies. And now I'm on a Bond kick, so I kind of had to do the same thing. But 
Anyways, I'm curious if anyone else out there kind of does something similar where you really get into the movies uh, for a particular franchise and it's like, well, guess I got to clean up on all the video games tied to Because you did things. that with Shrek pretty recently too, right? I did, yeah, because yeah. I was on a Tarkaron episode. I love shouting them out. Please, they just surpassed 100 subscribers on YouTube. T-A-R-Q-A-R-O-N are good friends of the show, Zach and Alec. They're chronologically watching every season and reacting to Survivor, which is great stuff. They also review an assortment of movies, TV shows, video games, things like that. So check them out. They recently watched all of the Shrek movies, all of the Shrek shorts, the Shrek theater production, and reviewed all of them on their channel. And then they brought me on to do a Shrek box art trivia, or not trivia, but box art battles. So basically... Zach's brother will queue up a bunch of Shrek box art for video games, and then we don't know what they are, but they're on different tabs in an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. We'll click onto them like a three, two, one countdown, and then just talk through each, you know, box art, you know, Shrek 2 versus the original Shrek on Xbox or whatever, which one's the better box art and why. And so we did that, and I could not believe how many freaking Shrek games there were. I mean, I can't believe how many movies there were. I'm sure the video games are just as plentiful. Out the wazoo. I mean, there's like five or six Game Boy Advance games, most of which I never heard of. There's, of course, an assortment of PS2, GameCube, Xbox games. Some games made it to the Wii. Like, there was a weird carnival craze type game for the Wii that was had a Shrek skin over it. Yeah, I was going to say, are they all platformers? Are they like collectathons or what are they, the genre? The ones that tie into the movies, at least the first two, are kind of just beat-em-ups okay. that kind of tie to the events of the film. And then, yeah, a lot of the handheld games are just like 2D side-scrolling platformers. And then there's like a mini-game compilation on the Wii. Um, but yeah, so I didn't go crazy I mean, even prior to that, I ended up buying Shrek 1 and 2 on the Xbox. Okay. But I was, I just was curious about some of these 2D platformers. So I ended up cleaning up on a few of the Game Boy Advance games because they were just pennies. You know, you basically were just paying for shipping because who in their right mind wants Shrek Game Boy Advance games laying around except for Rusty R.E. Lewis 2011? Dude, it's an investment. It is. You made what? What, $4 or $8 to $50 on that one game, the Bond game or? What game are you talking about? The game you mentioned earlier that went up in price. Oh, The Mummy. Yeah, The Mummy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I just made my money Who back. Who cares about stocks, dude? Just invest in old video games. I mean, for real, though. It is I insane. mean, you sold a few of those for like 200 I think a sealed copy of like Super Mario World or something stupid like that just recently sold for like a million dollars or something. Oh, shit. Like, it's, it's getting absurd. I think there's literally like video game outlets that are writing about the collecting scene and how absurd it's become. And that's why I love when Pete does his eBay streams because you kind of get a real-time idea of what games are trending upwards. And I'm just so fortunate that I started watching Pete Dorr again on Twitch a couple years ago because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have gone on the crazy binge-buying purchase, like binge-buying sprees that I did. Um, about 2017, it kind of coincided with when Lauren and I got married, we got the PS4, I started buying, kind of collecting a little bit more Mm -hmm. and kind of just exploring the PS2 library and PS1 library and stuff. But like, 
I never would have thought to get Klonoa 2 when I did if Pete wasn't talking about it back in like 2018 and saying like, you know, Klonoa 1 on PS1 went up the way it, it did over the years. You better buy Klonoa 2 if you have any interest in the series. Sort of a fear of missing out thing, but also just like Pete is really realistic and he's kind of like a prophet. He, like, he knows when games are going to go up and why. Mm-hmm. And I bought Klonoa 2 for like $39.99 or something like that. I still have my little eBay receipt for it. And now that game is going for upwards of $200. Wow. In the course of like two years. Like it's just insane. And that's just one example of so many of how this this whole collecting thing is just, it's getting out of control, really. Um, And it's really difficult for someone nowadays if you were in my shoes back in 2010 today and you're like, hmm, you know, I grew up with the PS3 and Wii. I kind of want to start exploring some of the earlier generation of consoles. It's still doable depending on the type of games you like, but it's it's frustrating for someone like myself because like if if I wanted to encourage a younger generation to like, hey, Try and start collecting for these consoles if you like these types of genres. Yeah. Like, if you like RPGs, it's just game over. Like, forget about it. It's it's just an impossibility at this point um, to find reasonably priced PS1 and even PS2 RPGs. Like, you can clean up on Dark Cloud and Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy X and Twelve and stuff like that. But you get any more obscure and you're looking to pay, you know, 80, 100, 200 bucks. And the horror genre is just... That's also out of control. It's just nuts. Well, that's the sad thing about them shutting down. I think it was the Vita store is because you're going to have the same type of thing. It's if you don't have a physical copy, the game's gone. Mm-hmm. So you might as well, you have to, I mean, the prices I'm sure are just spiking on some of those Vita games. When fortunately, you know, PlayStation listened to their, uh, their fan base and they extended that timeline indefinitely, Did but they? it's only a matter of time before the PS3 and Vita stores are closed because it is some type of cost to Sony. And if they're not seeing the returns that they want, certainly not the returns they're seeing on, you know, the PlayStation four and five stores that they're selling the most, like the latest releases, Mm -hmm. you know, then they're going to shut it down because they're not really interested in game preservation. Like Xbox has been in recent years. So yeah, like, I've cleaned up on the Vita store and got pretty much every PS1 RPG that I ever have any inkling of interest in playing because it's four, five, ten bucks. Like, the grander scheme of things, it's nothing in comparison, you know, if I say five to six years from now, I want to play Suicoden 2, well, you're shit out of luck if you want to buy it at a reasonable price, Rusty. So it's a good thing you bought it for five bucks on the Vita store. Um, So yeah, that dovetailed pretty significantly uh when talking about james bond games and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean it also i mean shutting down stores and servers and stuff it makes me sad that one day all my shinies will be gone because i stored them in the poke bank oh yeah and i mean it's a yearly subscription i think of like five bucks mm-hmm. but if they ever shut that down like literally all of that's gone yeah but it, it it's the journey it is and i mean at this point i don't care if they're gone i'm never gonna go back and be like hey everyone look at my shinies because i've done that enough on this podcast already Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's kind of just inevitable 
Yeah. And I don't want to discourage anyone from, you know, getting into the collecting scene because it can still be fun. I mean, you can still camp eBay and find some deals. That's why I think, you know, Pete's Pete Doors eBay streams on Saturday nights are such a great time because he is finding legitimate deals where he's saving his viewers money on things. It's just more difficult to find deals. And fortunately for me, the types of games that I play it's rare that most of that stuff is actually going up in price. Like, who the hell is buying yeah. these random Shrek games on Game Boy Advance? Virtually nobody. Or all the Disney and, like, Pixar platformers are those. Movies? Some of those are going up on PS1. Like, Hercules, which is kind of a 2.5D platformer, that has gone up over the years. But, yeah, like, Emperor's New Groove on PS1. Listen, unless David Spade makes a PSA, I doubt that game is going up anytime soon. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, I mean... It's a, it's a tough gig out there, but you can definitely find some reasonable deals if you're patient and you're persistent with going to eBay, garage sales, your local mom and pops, the pawn shops, things like that. You can still find some reasonable deals. But cool. Anyways, the last thing that I watched this week um, or this past month, finally got around to watching it was The Last Dance, which yes. is the... Netflix documentary series. It's ten episodes. Chronolic, chronolic, chron. Can you say that word? Chronologically. Chronolicking. What's the, how do you say? Oh, it? Uh, chronic, chronicling. <laughs> I don't know. How to that's s- a fu- that's a word. Chronicling. Yeah, I just don't know how to say it. You're, so I, you're trying to say like documenting, basically. Basically, I just need to phone a friend to say it for me. Documenting. Yeah, The Last of Us. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. The Bulls winning that final NBA championship. And so I know it came out kind of during the height of the pandemic and I didn't get around to watching it then. You got it for me? I'm looking it up. Okay. Um, But I finally got around to watching it this past week and I just binged the heck out of it. And my goodness, was that so, so good. Chronicle is the base word. So and then you, add ing at yeah, the end of chronicling. It. There it is. Is our fake word. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Yes. Um, so the last dance, you know, I was born in 93. So obviously I wasn't really of an age to appreciate what was going on in the early 90s as Michael Jordan was kind of rising um, to popularity, both with the sport, but just I mean, he was just a cultural <laughs> phenomenon. Like yeah. it was insane what was going on at the time in the early 90s and how people really worship the guy um but i can't tell you before i get to this i'll just say i'm so thankful that i do have as foggy as the memories are i do remember being a kid in my family room on the old big ass tv that we had there sitting on the couch or running around the family room and my dad was watching the chicago bulls you know back in like 97 98 as they were getting ready to win their final championship before he um, retired for like the second time. And it's kind of like the only way I can create a similar scenario is like if Lauren and I had a kid and they saw Tom Brady, not that I ever would want it to happen, but win another Super Bowl. I would like love that. Someone that is just at the peak top of their career. They're the best to ever play the sport and they're still doing it, you know? And I'm so fortunate that I have memories watching Michael Jordan play the game of basketball because in my opinion he's the greatest there has ever been to this day and I think the greatest there ever will be because of his competitive nature and 
just commitment to the game of basketball. Yeah. Like LeBron James, there's, in my eyes, no comparison. He's a prima donna. He's completely changed the way the game is played with the flopping that he does. And Michael Jordan, when he was encouraged to lose so they could get a better draft choice, he basically said, fuck off. I'm about winning yeah. at any cost necessary. And that's all he cared about was just winning, winning, winning. And he, I mean, it was just so cool to see the backstory into why he was the way that he was. And his father not always giving him the attention he wanted. And oftentimes the rivalries he had with some of his brothers growing up. Yeah. And so he was like, I'm going to do everything and anything it takes for my dad to see me. And he did. I mean, he committed himself to the game, committed himself to the grind and what was crazy was when his dad tragically was murdered. Yeah. And then he won another championship without his dad. And that was like the first time his teammates basically saw Michael as a human because he just broke, you know, because his dad wasn't there to see him win. And he almost had this like crisis of sorts to like say, why, why am I doing this? this? Yeah. You know, I've gotten to the top. I've done it however many times at that point. And the one person I want there to experience it this with isn't here, you know, and it kind of almost makes you have introspective, have a sense of introspection because you kind of question your motivations for doing things in life. Yeah. Why am I playing these sports or why am I doing this? Is it because of like, it's crazy how it's probably an obvious thing, but how much parents parenting affect the long term thought process of kids mm -hmm. like good and bad. And, like, if the best basketball player of all time's motivation is, I mean, I'm sure it's more complex than this, but, like, to show his dad or get his dad's attention, deep down, if that's the, like, hidden meaning of it, it's crazy that the best basketball player ever, that's his motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I love that documentary as well. It's definitely worth the watch. It's it's interesting and just it's fascinating because I grew up at that same time period. I think my first report or like book report in the first grade was on Michael Jordan. Mm. And I'm, I was born 92. So when they're winning championships mid 90s, I was like four or five. Um, so this was like early 2000s. I was writing reports on like Michael Jordan. This was like coming off of, I mean, he was still. It was still huge. Yeah. <clears throat> there um, it is. I guess. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a great documentary. It goes into not just Michael Jordan's backstory. It goes into like Pippin and everyone. Dennis Rodman. Rodman's Steve a Kerr. good one. I yeah. mean, a lot of them are sad stories. Mm -hmm. Like Pippin, his payment and like signing up early. Because, I mean, you're going in at such a prestigious level and you don't know if you're going to last. I mean, that's a big thing with like NFL too. It's like... You could be in and not compete at that level well and just be out in a year. Yeah. Um, so if you sign in like a nine-year contract, you think you're safe, and then you guys take off, you're getting screwed. Um, and then Rodman has a sad story. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a good watch. Mm -hmm. Another emotional one. It was, yeah. And it was interesting, too, just, you know, they were, of course, interviewing Michael Jordan current day and just having him recount some of the stories, his motivations for doing things, why he was the way he was. They really went all out with it. And I didn't feel like they romanticized anything or Hollywoodized anything like for the sake of being dramatic. Like I felt like it was pretty true to form of what actually went 
like went down because when I started watching and I texted my dad, I'm like, you have to watch this. And it it doesn't need to be dramatized because it's a dramatic story in itself. It is. Like, yeah. I mean, what, six championships? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a thing in itself. And then all of the personalities involved with it. And I think they have like Jordan's interactions with like Kobe. Um, I think it was, when did Kobe uh, pass away? It was at like, it was last, as it came out, I think it was. It was last year, yeah. It was yeah, basically so, the, the, the first domino of like what 2020 was. Yeah, so I think it came out around the same time that that had happened. And he, he talks about some of that in the story as well. Yeah. So it, it's a It's worth watching as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, my last thing I'll say about it, again, just continuing to have an appreciation for Jordan is just to kind of see his his growth and maturity as a person where I forget the first coach's name when he first joined the Bulls, but he basically built the entire offense around Michael Jordan, you yeah. know, was feed Jordan the ball, feed Jordan the ball. Who's getting the ball at the final seconds? It's Jordan every single time. And then when Phil Jackson came on and um, Jerry Krause, I think, was the owner or the general manager um, when he signed Phil Jackson to be the head coach of the Bulls, Jordan was basically just like, I'm out. Unless this other guy's the coach, I'm not playing for anyone but him. And then Phil Jackson came on and he had a different mindset and a different coaching style where he really built the offense and the defense around the team. It wasn't just Jordan. And he forced Jordan to say there are other open guys when Jordan wasn't playing well. And Jordan started feeding other people the ball. And then they started hitting shots. Mm -hmm. And Jordan became more of a team player to the point where just before his second retirement and Jerry Krause said next year, we're going to start rebuilding and Phil Jackson's no longer going to be the coach of the Bulls. Jordan said, well, you can F off because if he's not going to be the coach, I'm not playing. You know, so it was just cool to see his maturity as a player and as a person both on and off the court. And he just seemed like such a down to earth. Shouldn't say he seemed he is a relatively down-to-earth person. And even what fascinated me the most, because I would just buckle and it would probably ruin my psyche as a person if I was a celebrity and I was under that limelight, being questioned by the media, the paparazzi, just always people looking at you and seeing you. But he kind of reveled in it. Like he'd go out and he'd talk to the people and they'd ask him like, is this your last game, Michael? Is this your last game, Michael? And he'd kind of laugh it off. And he's like, you know, you guys know I can't answer that. (laughs) And then every single time he'd walk away and says, I love you guys. I love you guys. And he'd just laugh it off. He never allowed it to get into his head because all he cared about was winning. And it was just amazing to me that that nothing ever got in the way for him. Yeah, and it, like I've I've seen videos of like him on his giant yacht and like people pull up in their boat alongside like, passing and he's like he turns off the music is like hey how are you guys doing kind of thing. yeah and it, yeah it's I, I think Bill Burr has a really funny segment on like us I guess normal people who aren't celebrities or like peak athletes mm-hmm. and it, they're talking about like Tiger Woods and like when he had cheated on his wife and it was basically like we can't ever relate of like coming off the golf course and having like an entire bus full of women like like calling your name kind of thing like we can't comprehend like some of the pulls of that crazy life Mm -hmm. and it it's a funny segment he says some dark shit but like yeah it's to see michael jordan not let that get to him is really cool well and like when they'd have they had film of when he was still at the peak of his career and he was just in his hotel room smoking a cigar. And he's like, this is what people don't see. Yeah. This isn't the glorious lifestyle. He's like, no one wants to sit in a hotel room 
for eight, 10 hours a day until their game starts. But this is my life. And then tomorrow I fly to a different city and I do the same damn thing. But then the moment he walks out of his hotel room, it's everyone screaming, wanting autographs, you know, just cheering him on. And it's like, for me, that would just, it'd just be overwhelming. Yeah. And that was kind of, so I worked at Mirfield, um, which is Jack Nicholas's golf course. And it was, you kind of see the behind the scene scenes of like the tour lifestyle of these professional golfers. Mm -hmm. So like they would, I mean, it's like every weekend there's a golf tournament. Um, so you see these trailers full of golf bags and luggage for families and stuff just pull up. And like my job was taking care of like the villas, but we'd also kind of be the grunt labor of the entire uh, park or golf course. So we'd go in and we'd be pulling like these golfers bags off the thing and you'd see the wives with the kids and like, yeah, that's my luggage. Let me try to get like diapers out of here. And like, it's not just like the players, it's their wives. There's the kids who are, don't have like a stable home that they're staying at. Yeah. I'm sure they have like a resident they <clears throat> off season go to, but it's, it's a go, go, go lifestyle that would wear on you. It really would. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, fascinating that it never really seemed to get to Michael. I'm sure at times it did, but for the most part, he kind of just always kept a pretty calm, cool, and collected mindset with it all. So if if you somehow have not watched The Last Dance, even if you don't have an interest in basketball, I think it's filmed and paced in such a way where it's still super interesting. And just to also kind of have the nostalgia for the 90s, you know, yeah. they also show a little bit of the set when he was filming Space Jam, like the whole thing is just so well done and anything you'd want to know about that era as it relates to him, the team, the bull, everything, it's probably in there. Yeah, I can definitely second that. Like, I'm not the hugest like sports person, like devote myself to a team, mm -hmm. but like everything around that. If, especially if you're born in the 90s, you you know the hype. Yeah. So it's, it's a good watch. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's always interesting when we take this amount of time off from recording because we just go into all kinds of random tangents. Like we have today, I'm almost losing track of like what we have talked about, <laughs> yeah. what we need to still talk about. But I think at this point, Ryan, is a good time to transition talking about the games that we have been playing recently. So what have you been playing the past month or so? Yeah, I've, I've played a few games. It looks like I've played six of them. So, in the last month, Mario Golf is one of the games that came out. Mm -hmm. And we had a shit ton of hype up for it. Mine coming off of Toadstool Tour on the GameCube. And having high expectations for this one. And, uh... It's Mario Golf. Like, it doesn't seem to have the level of depth and... Con I don't know if complexity... The number of like unlockables and depth that the original game has, mm -hmm. or at least my childhood version of Mario Golf has. Yeah. Um. So I I put a good amount of time. I've played a few rounds of golf. You played more of the story. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, it's it's probably just a mediocre game in my opinion. Maybe a seven mm -hmm. out of ten or six out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of on the same thing. Um. I played quite a bit of it when it first came out. Probably six seven hours, six, eight hours. I don't know what it was. And just focusing solely on the story, because if you just play through the entirety of the story mode, you unlock all the courses. And I'm not sure if you unlock all the characters or not, but, but yeah, I kind of just felt like the story, I was kind of just going through the motions. I, I still really, really love the addition of speed golf and all, and how they kind of, um, 
tweak that along the way to make it more unique and just make the pacing of it all a lot more um, quick. But yeah, I mean, it's super dialogue heavy and unnecessarily so. I don't even know what's going on in this story. I feel like the leveling up system is is super bare bones. Maybe that's, I just set my expectations too high. Like I wasn't looking for like Elder Scrolls levels of leveling up my character because You're it was looking only- looking for like hotshots golf level of- yeah, and I think that's what was kind of missing. You know, I ended up, um, in terms of charm, because like I ended up downloading or, or reinstalling, I should say, uh, Everybody's Golf, like yeah. shortly after getting Mario Golf and kind of just putting it down with the story mode. And I was immediately just like having so much more fun than I was playing Mario Golf. Um, the pacing of it obviously isn't the same, but I still feel like Mario Golf in a weird way feels sluggish in comparison to Hot Shots Golf. I don't know really how to describe it, but that's that's the best way I can. Um, and then also just, I don't know, and, and a lot of it too is probably just being more familiar with the Hot Shots Golf three-click system and um, the character designs and all of that stuff, but... Overall, I'm not going to discourage anyone from getting Mario Golf. I still think it sets out what it needs to do, and that's just to be a fun, you know, arcade type golf game with the Mario suite of characters. If you're looking for something to have um, to pick up and play on trips or just like before bed, I think Mario Golf is still well worth purchasing. But, you know, if Target is having like a buy two, get one free on Switch games or, you know, Best Buy might have the Switch first-party titles on sale for 40 bucks. Maybe be on the lookout for something like that if you haven't, you know, gone out and purchased it just yet because it just doesn't do everything I kind of wanted it to do, and it still, in my eyes, kind of lives in the shadows of the Hot Shots Golf series, but it's still pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a discount buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not a day... It's obviously past day one, but yeah, I, I'd say it's worth a discount buy. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, so that's one of the games I've been playing. I played a bit of RuneScape, or I mean, over the last month. Um, I was also playing Persona 5 as part of the Gentleman's Challenge. Oh, yeah. And I've kind of fallen off the wagon for that one. It's a beast of a game. And I did... I put an effort to play that game to at least the point... That was suggested of like you'll know if you want to continue or not. Yeah. Um, by Chrono, and I probably put eleven to fourteen hours in, so it's a good chunk of the game. And uh, that about that time frame, you get the feel of you go through the full first dungeon, and you've ex- kind of wrapped up the first antagonist. Mm-hmm. You've had time to figure out like how you pace. When you have like an open day to figure out, do you want to go in the dungeon? Do you want to build bonds with characters? And it's a cool setup. But like after the first kind of dungeon, I feel like I've concluded what I want to by like taking out the antagonist or like concluding that storyline. And then the premise is, let's do it again kind of thing. Let's take on another dungeon which is another person's like mind castle and it's just such a steep slope of starting that process again that's just discouraging and it's i'm not saying it's a bad game because it i I really enjoyed my time with it it was dark it was interesting characters the premise is just odd but 
and very JRPG, but a lot of fun. It's just, it, it's a commitment, and I, it'll probably, similar to what we were talking about downstairs, but it, it'll be a game that you str- I stretch out over a long period of time. Like, Dragon Quest, I took a year-long break b- between, like, starting it and, play- like, finishing it, but yeah. Yeah, the Persona series has always been something that I haven't really ever been able to get into, and it's it's also an, an RPG series that, you know, you're still relatively new to the JRPG scene. Yeah. And, like, when I if I'd recommend anyone to first kind of dip your toes in the JRPGs, I'm going to recommend Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy X, you know, then maybe pick up... Again, talk about too expensive of games, Dragon Quest V on the DS or something like that. Maybe play Tales of Vesperia, then dip your toes in the Kingdom Hearts series, you know. Kind of get some of the action RPG and turn-based feel. And then, you know, I feel like Persona is kind of the the bigger hill to climb. Like, if you use the analogy of skiing, there's kind of the bunny hill, which is kind of like a, a an earlier Final Fantasy. And then Kingdom you- Hearts. I think Kingdom Hearts is... So yeah, I didn't really play any JRPGs until I met you. And then you're like, hey, Kingdom Hearts or you die. Pretty much. Kind of. And that is probably the best way to wade into that genre. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it, it, it is. There's definitely tiers of craziness. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd probably put Dragon Quest Eleven in one of those upper echelons of like... This is an endeavor. You're on a journey. Yeah, the sheer length of it, for sure. Um, I think Lauren's clocked 90 hours and still hasn't seen the credits roll, so that's definitely a game I'm never going to finish and have really no desire to, just because... Did you even start? Because you got it the same time I did. Yeah, I made about 25 hours in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I played a significant piece of it. I just... If if you told me, like, you're a quarter of the way there, you have 75 more hours of this, I just... Again, there's too many other games sitting on my shelf unplayed, like Hellblade's newest sacrifice and some of these other shorter experiences that I've kind of been sitting on for a while that I'd rather play. Like I could play like 10 um, Hellblade's newest sacrifices before I see the credits roll in something like Dragon Quest XI. That's not to in any way diminish or discourage people from playing Dragon Quest XI. But again, it's about priorities and... Um, also figuring out like what fits into your, uh, time frame in terms of like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore, but, um, you have to schedule, you have to pick and choose what you're going to play. And for me, if something's a hundred hours, man, I really have to think and consider whether or not it's going to be something I'm going to play. And I ended up getting persona five Royal because I posted some persona five music on YouTube that I was listening to, this compilation came up and um, this one song came on and it just slapped, man. It was so freaking um, catchy. And I posted on Twitter and then some people were kind of just encouraging me to to potentially dip your toes back into the Persona series. And I said, oh, what the heck? I'll give Persona 5 Royal a, a try because I've played Innocent Sin, uh, which is the second game on PSP. I tried Persona 3 on PS2. Um, and that's kind of about it, but it's more just like knowing what that game is about and knowing how it's structured and, um, the social aspect of it. Like a lot of that just doesn't really interest me as it relates to RPGs, but I figured I'll give it another shot. And if it's something that I chip away at for like a year or two, and maybe I see the credits roll or maybe I just play 50 hours, but I still really enjoy those 50 hours and so be it. Yeah. I mean, like in my mind, I only doing one tenth of the game, I consider my, experience with persona as like i've beaten what i'm happy beating yeah which is fine you know i mean if you're not having fun then walk away yeah so i 
Then I went to the second game on the Gentleman's Challenge, which was Devil May Cry 5. How was that? It was good. It's it's interesting. Um, it's definitely probably more up my alley compared to Persona 5. It's more of an action JRPG. Interesting character. I wouldn't consider it a, an RPG necessarily. It's more of like just an action. action. Is it an action game? Probably just an action game, yeah. Japanese art action game. There it is. <laughs> Jackson game. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it was a lot of fun. I got through the prologue, and I got through the first chapter, and then I got in a totally different game kick because of Ben. But, yeah, it, it was entertaining, interesting story. It's also more bite size compared to Persona. It's like 10 hours or so. So definitely something that I can stomach. And it's it's interesting that the way that the... I would say the title screen. The way that the ch- the game is broken up into chapters. Mm-hmm. So you can go and it's kind of like arcade that I can go back into chapter one and say my style points or whatever are only a B. I can go back and try to beat it and get like an S tier on that level. Oh, okay, cool. So I can mission select, it seems, whenever I want and go back and replay stuff. Um, like similar to like the Halo games where you unlock the levels as you progress to the full story, and then you can go back and try to get legendary or whatever. So, good time. Uh, writing so far is interesting. I think there's three main characters. Um, don't remember the names anymore of those three characters, but they seem to be like demon hunters or like there's demons everywhere. It's a devil might cry. Yeah. The devil is crying and mm-hmm. you, you fight things. So, good time with that. Nice. And then I have two more games. Jeez. Uh, I mean, it's been a month. You probably have like 60 beats. <laughs> so get off my back. Yeah. So I left Devil May Cry for Animal Crossing. Oh, boy. And I didn't think I'd get back into the, I mean, I I had a relapse and I got went back to Animal Crossing and got collected all the fish l- earlier this year. Um, but I went back because I saw Ben was on there and I, I asked him, or like, I saw you're playing Animal Crossing, like, are you all right? Do you need help? And he's like, hey, I got a billion bells. And I was like, the fuck? Like, that's been my goal is to see what max cash is. And I had about 105 million bells. And I was like, did you duplicate items? Are you like hacking? Like, what's up? Did you break the game? Yeah, I mean, because if you have a billion bells, Tom, you're not like a slave to Tom Nook anymore. Like, you can just pay off his house, the entire island. Like, you can buy everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, hey, so I found, like, similar to the uh, GTS um, global trade system in Pokemon, where you can trade out Pokemon and there's a higher chance of shinies from these, like, hacked streamers, there are islands that you can go to and basically every time I think you go to the island, it just respawns everything. And they have all of these items just laid out on the ground because for like your island. So say like the Japanese style, like I think it's called Imperial. The Imperial furniture for me is blue, but there's other people's islands. I think based off of either what some code that can be red and it can be black. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I want that, I'm going to have to trade with random people on the internet, and it's harder to find. But there is a Twitch stream. So if you're addicted to Animal Crossing, here is the crack. 
It's called Omega Nook. And basically, yeah, you fly to that island and it has every painting in the entire game. All rare uh, rugs, all rare uh, wallpaper, flooring, every um, like holiday item. So it's got like the mushrooms. It's got like all the Mario stuff. And you can either just go in and pick up the leaf or the item itself or you can get the DIYs. And they have a few different islands on their stream. So you can go to the DIY island and literally has DIYs for the in everything in the entire game. So the heart, I mean, and then you, you have all the constellations and all that, like the stars and resources, like you can pick up all the gold. And a lot of the, I think what, from what Lauren was saying for maybe one of her coworkers, pushes people away from that game. It might have been Sean, maybe. But, like, pushes people away from that game is... It's really grindy to get some of those resources. For, like, gold, you have four rocks on your island. You have to go around, and you have a rare drop chance. And you can go days without getting one piece of gold. And to get one of the Zodiac furnitures, it's potentially two to eight pieces of gold. So you're grinding a month of rocks. Yeah, it's just stupid to me. I or you're grinding out fossils and doing that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I tapped out on Animal Crossing at about a hundred hours. Um, I was more than satisfied in the same way that I played New Leaf on the 3DS. I just went so hard on it for like such a short, finite amount of time to the point where I was just like, yeah, I want nothing more to do with this. I got my uh, my Animal Crossing fill for another like five to ten years until the next one comes out, and uh, yeah, I'm good to go. But, I mean, I have a co-worker that literally has 1,600 hours into it. And you, know, you walked me through your house yesterday and showed me all your different rooms, everything you did, and it looks amazing. But, like, you're sitting at, like, 325 hours. So, like, man, all the power to you. Play what you love. I, I'm all for it. But I just don't know how someone sinks, like, over 1,000 hours into Animal Crossing. Yeah, and I mean, the nice thing about these islands and the reason, I mean, I don't see this as cheating. I just think is, if you're enjoying the experience with the game, like even time travel to like try to get fish, because I haven't played every month, every day for specific time periods in the day. Like if I want to uh, get all the fish and one is January and it's July, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like I'm having fun. That's all that really matters. So if I want to go to these like cheaty nook, uh, like Omega nooks and get the items that I want to make my house perfect in my mind so I can leave it. So like I'm, I'm completely fine doing that. It, it's it enhances the experience and it allows me to do the things that I enjoy most in the game, which are mostly decoration. I still need to do all my island, but my house is finalized and I'm really happy with it. Yeah, I mean, however you have to justify your incompetence, I think, is, is really fun. So, <laughs> your lack of commitment to the game. <laughs> you think Michael Jordan took, you know, corners? No. He committed himself to the game. And if he was playing Animal Crossing, he wouldn't skip, he wouldn't duplicate items, and he wouldn't time travel. Well, I'm still in, like, Michael Jordan in his high school years where he didn't make the team. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's... So, like, for my house now... Just you, I have all the rooms. Obviously, I have everything paid off, and I ended up. So there's like the turnips on the island where you sell the i the turnip there on that island, and it gives you a billion bells. Wow! So I have, if I want an item from my catalog, I'll buy it. Okay. I, I don't have to worry. I can just enjoy the game as is. 
Um, but my main living room is now a barcade. Why don't you take pictures and post them on the Discord? Fair enough. Yeah. I've got a barcade. I've got a kitchen, a, to- a toilet room. A bathroom is what that is. Hey, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I've got a game room, a trophy room, and then my bedroom. Nice. So, you yeah, should. I'll take pictures and post them. You should. That'd be cool. Um, and then lastly, I started a game that I got maybe a year ago, but I've always wanted to play, and I think this is like a perfect comfort food game, is Ori and the Blind nice. Forest. And how are you liking it? I'm loving it. I, I had to start over, and I think either my Switch... Or the game itself is a little glitched because every time I take a photo or a screenshot, this beautiful freaking game that needs screenshots, oh yeah, it crashes the game. And I wonder if that's exclusively to Switch because I mean I have it on Switch too, and um, I only played like an hour of it, and I took a couple <coughs> photos. I don't remember it crashing, but when you were showing me your Animal Crossing house yesterday, you were taking uh, in green in game screenshots, and it wasn't crashing. So I doubt it's your Switch. It probably is the game. Yeah, it, maybe it's the like level of the current patch mm-hmm. maybe it might be a glitch could be um but i i'm loving it i mean you start out it's a beautiful glowing fennec fox which is just adorable mm-hmm. and you start out with like the story um and then pushes you into like go to this place which kind of then once you go to that place starts out your main mission as ori and similar to like uh metroid prime type game you get more ways to traverse and explore the environment um so you start out with just the ability to jump and you slowly within the first couple really first couple minutes you get different abilities like your little orb friend that comes around with you and like wall climbing and then it goes on from there and i was exploring the world on my first playthrough um and i jumped down an area that i couldn't jump back up and I couldn't figure out the puzzle, and I thought I was screwed, so I ended up starting over and getting the ability that I thought I needed, because it was a hard jumping puzzle. Mm-hmm. Turns out I didn't need it, but I got there in half the time. So, But yeah, I'm about five hours in now. I've completed, if anyone's played this before, so there's. it seems to be there's three main dungeons like a water dungeon, a fire dungeon, and then I think a wind or mist or whatever dungeon. And I completed the water dungeon. Okay. Um, and the end of that dungeon was fucking hard. I I was on normal mode, which I think is like the if you've played or if you've played platformers before or you want the normal experience, you play that. Hard is I think they give more health and damage to the enemies but i'm playing on normal so not super crazy i died 60 times you counted yes so it has a little kill- death count oh gosh on the plat on the screen I-, I wish the souls games would implement something like that like i went i was showing lauren my house yesterday on animal crossing and then i showed her celeste because she's gonna play ori when she's done with her masters and my death count is like 800. Mm. And I'm through like four levels in that game. But like, fuck. Yeah, so I, I started around like uh, 180 when I got to the final portion of that water level. And then the, like the last kind of sequence, I was at 240 when I quit. Wow. Or when I completed it. 
And then there's a screenshotable moment that I wanted the screenshot, but I'm like, I literally cannot mentally comprehend doing it 60 more times to beat that again. It was, it was the last like fucking jump onto this thing that slingshots you into like the little segment. I got there so many times. I just couldn't grab, I wasn't close enough or I slid down the wall too much before I could double jump. If anyone's had the same amount of trouble, or I think Blink's played through Ori, right? Yeah, front of the show. What's up, I'm Blink? sure he has like a platinum, even though Nintendo doesn't have platinums. He broke the system. Yeah, he he created platinums for him to get. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if anyone's had trouble with that segment, I, I hope I'm not the only one, or maybe I, similar to what you're saying, I'm just incompetent at games. But like, it was trying. That was harder than Sekiro. <laughs> In my like, I died more times on that section. Then I died in beating the final boss of Sekiro. Wow. Or any boss in Sekiro. Or any Dark Souls games. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I was going to say, like, I I was, as I, because I was, like, having a mental breakdown. Because it was, like, an hour and a half. And, like, you know, I think Scooby does it, too, when they, dogs tell you're frustrated. Like, I I screamed at the screen at one point. And Nala just came up to me because... It's like immediate. You respawn and then the shit starts. So like you you have to pause it. And she's like, she was eating a bone on the ground. And then I like, I died. And I fuck, like screamed and like pounded my chair. I was like, like, this is like death 30. And she's like, looks at me and like gets up on the chair and like tries to hug me and like eat my face. And then she's just laying there with like her head on my chest. Like, please don't beat me or the neighbors or like just beat the level and i'm like i'm trying i'm trying <laughs> and like i eventually got it 30 times later but like holy fuck it's i told lauren to play it on easy because i don't think she, she would ask you to play it and then you would break her switch because it's hard yeah like it's a good game it was just yeah and then there was a different point where I was just exploring the levels, and I jumped down, and I didn't realize I would survive the fall. I thought I was just, I would die. Like, I jumped off a bridge that I was supposed to, like, float by. Mm-hmm. Turns out there's really hard, like, I you progress down there. Like, it's later in the level, and there's these dudes who shoot these, like, green blasts of energy. I put a save point there, so I'm fucked if I can't get out of it. Oh, okay. So you can, like, create save points... At random places, but you can also screw yourself over if you can't get through it. Got it. So, like, for certain deaths, you're like, I have, I, I think, for some point, like, I had four health little orbs. And I get through a section, and I'm like, do I want to save because I only have one health left? So, mm-hmm. I have one hit. Or do I restart or try, fail, restart, and if I have, like, three out of four, I save, checkpoint myself, and it's a good system, but you can also screw yourself over if you decide to save at the wrong places. Yeah, yeah. So it's more strategic, which I really like. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting out of there, and I was super accomplished as that as well. Because I thought I was going to have to restart, and that was like five hours in. Wow. So, good time. Definitely worth playing. Um, it's up there. I mean, you'll see for how many games I've beaten this year. It, it's probably going to be top 10 for me so far for games i played this year nice good stuff well i definitely want to play ori um again i played a little bit of it on switch but i'm sure eventually uh once lauren's playing it maybe i'll get the kick or the urge 
to play it as well, because as we'll, as we'll get into with our mid-year check-in with games, uh, part of my plan for the rest of the year is for Lauren and I to kind of simultaneously play through some stuff, because she recently um, was kind of prepping for post-masters and the games that she wants to play, and I kind of uh, encouraged her to get some some RPGs that we might be able to kind of tag team. I'll play on PlayStation, she'll play on Switch, so Very cool. uh, good stuff. Glad you're liking Ori, glad you finally found a game to kind of get you back in the mood to play the good old video games. Yeah. So, so what about you? What have you played? So I've been playing, uh, I wouldn't say an exhaustive list. I think I've been playing a nice kind of um, rusty list of games, but some nice variety as well. The first game I want to talk about, talking about top 10 games of the year, I can't remember the last time I co-opted a game with someone and was just smiling ear to ear, laughing uncontrollably at times, and genuinely just having the best time. And it was probably when you and I co-opted a Halo game on Legendary or something like that. But I've never played a game co-op so unique like this game here, and that's Operation Tango. It was a game that was free with PlayStation Plus a couple months ago, Similar to a lot of PlayStation Plus games that I'm not familiar with the title, I just add it to my library kind of like just out of habit at this point and oftentimes never touch it again. And I didn't even really look into what the game was. I just remember there was two people on the front cover. I thought I heard inklings of there being some kind of weird co-op nature to it, but it wasn't until I got a direct message from my best buddy, Mr. Blink Blinkoom, <laughs> Uh, also known as Steve in RL, he pinged me and said, uh, would you be up for playing Operation Tango co-op on a future Twitch stream of mine? And I was like, um, first of all, um, you're asking me to play a video game with one of the coolest dudes on the interwebs <laughs> and famous Twitch streamer. I mean, do you understand what this will do to my reputation or for my reputation, I should say? Heck yes, buddy. Sign me the heck up. I'll heavy pencil that into my calendar. Let's do this. So it's kind of on call for a while. And then he finally got back to my agent. And <laughs> we could fit you into his schedule. <laughs> yeah, we got something on the calendar. And I think it was like two Fridays ago or something like that. It was about yeah. two weeks ago. Um, we did some, some test streams kind of a week before. And uh, it was kind of my first... Um, reintroduction to OBS and Twitch streaming setup and all that kind of stuff. And um, once we got the hang of it and kind of figured out how we were going to set it up, I mean, he did all the behind the scenes work. I kind of just turned on my camera, shared my screen using OBS and hooked up my microphone and we were good to go. And um, so he did a lot of the let back end legwork, but Operation Tango. So we queue it up, we're playing, we're live on Twitch and kind of to set the scene for anyone that's not familiar, it's It's this co-op espionage game where one person plays the hacker and one person plays the agent. So whatever's going on on Blink's screen, I don't see. And similarly, whatever's going on on my screen, he can't see. So it's kind of difficult to explain this game. You kind of just need to experience it or watch someone play. But I'll do my best. There was this one segment in the game where Blink walks into this room you know, we're kind of, we're obviously mic'd up and we're kind of talking back and forth. And, you know, I asked, okay, so what are you seeing? And he's like, okay, well, it looks like there's this platform and the distance that I need to get to, but between me and the platform is kind of this, um, bottomless pit. And there's also these red lasers that are kind of firing, um, you know, in different directions. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, what are you seeing? 
I said, well, I see every time you move, there's this little dot and it's moving in sync with you. And I also think I see the platform that you're trying to get to. Let me click around and see what's kind of going on here. So I start clicking around and these dots start appearing on my little radar screen. He's like, whoa, when you were doing that, I was seeing the actual platforms kind of create or appear on my screen. And I was like, oh, okay. So I basically just have to create a path for you to walk to this next platform. And he's like, yeah, exactly. So, okay. So I start kind of mapping out, you know, and he's kind of instructing me when to place these dots, because if the red little lasers fire, it causes those platforms to disappear. So we have to basically time it in a way, or he has to instruct me to create that pathway for him to run in time so he can get to the platform without the red lasers kind of firing at him and him kind of um, falling to his death. And he couldn't see the lasers on his screen, or you couldn't see them on your screen when you're creating the bridges. Exactly. So it was up to, I think, Blink to tell you, hey, the laser's coming now, bridge, bridge, bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just created for just this absolutely chaotic puzzle solving where you were kind of under this pressure oftentimes to solve these things in a finite amount of time. And we talk about it all the time here on Otaku Brothers that I'm not really great at puzzles. Nope. But more recently I've said it's it's not even so much about me not being good at puzzles. I just never allow myself the opportunity to actually solve them in video games. Like when I'm playing something like The Legend of Zelda or um, even like The Pathless, I'll often just look at a walkthrough or a guide to figure out how to solve the puzzles. Now, I give myself credit because when I played The Pathless, never once did I consult a guide. And similar to Operation Tango, you don't really have time to consult a guide. You really just have to talk to your partner and try and solve these things in real time. And we had the time of our lives. I felt pretty good about how quickly I was solving the puzzles. A lot of that is to Blink's credit because he was often instructing me how to do these things. But man, we played, I think, five of the missions and Blink's probably going to give me some some crap for this. But I did look and see that there's actually six missions in the game. So we were just about to finish it. But we called it quits because after about three, three and a half hours, we got through five of the missions and we said, let's table this. Let's come back to it. Let's finish the game on a future stream. And so if you're listening to this episode on July 25th, Sunday, or any day before next Friday, whatever the date will be, I'm not really sure, maybe the 30th, be sure to mark your calendars because Blink and I are going to go live again. We're going to finish Operation Tango. It's going to be a heck of a time. I cannot wait for it. And it definitely gets me excited to play more co-op games in the future with you, with Lauren. Um, and I think the next one might be It Takes Two. Yeah. Because, are you playing that with Blink or are you playing that with me? Because um, I think you played it on a stream with uh, Leah. Well, the, the hierarchy of friends here would say Blink, but um, I think I could... I see s- how far I've fallen. I could sneak <laughs> down to your level, maybe. Okay. Uh, but no, so he and um, Leah, they actually just recently beat the game. Yeah, and I watched some of that. It look, I mean, that game was probably one of my most anticipated for Switch because it's got one that crazy director who was just like coked out. I mean, he was just very energetic and happy and swearing, and everyone is so excited to like have him there. The game is looks amazing. It mm-hmm. looks like a ton of fun, and it was ton. It was also a ton of fun to watch you guys play that game together. Well, and that's what was so cool is because like I don't know, and I'm sure Blink didn't know like 
how that was going to go on a Twitch stream just because like one, I've had Elgato problems from when I was streaming, but thankfully I got another cord. We didn't run into any technical issues the entire time, at least from my recollection, unless Blink was doing something behind the scenes to, to course correct if we ran into problems. But it sounded like the people that were um, in the audience or like watching the Twitch stream, like I think one person literally said, you guys have no idea how fun and fascinating this is to watch, you know? Yeah. So no, it was it was well, one knowing how much you suck or you don't like puzzles because like, I mean, even Uncharted, which is an amazing game or series, you don't like those. And that kind of bogs you down, I think, in the fourth one um, and maybe even God of War. That might be your issue with it. Um, but yeah, watching you actually do puzzles was one mind blowing. And then two, it was just the communication and the camaraderie of that entire thing. It was a great stream. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So looking forward to if Blink will have me back. Um, I think we're going to go live this Friday. So definitely mark your calendars. Come out, watch it. Go watch the VOD too. I mean, it was just, um, I even went back and watched a few segments just to get um, an idea of like how we were doing because in the moment you just, you don't really know. So uh, it was fun to go back and watch that. And I think, you know, after we, we wrapped up the stream, we ended up talking for like a half an hour about how much of a good time it was and then of course you know me, me and bling we love our trophies so <laughs> we uh, we were looking at the trophy list and we saw that it really is a pretty a relatively easy platinum so he and i probably offline will replay it again and just swap roles okay. because most of the trophies are really just beating each level as the agent or the hacker so we'll get the platinum our friendship um just continues to grow and uh, or blossom i should say and my gosh, what a heck of a fun time. Find a friend, play Operation Tango. Hopefully you download it with PlayStation Plus. And even if you didn't, my goodness, I would pay a decent sum of money for this game. I just I was like, you blink once and then you're best friends. <laughs> just, it's like, that's some cheesy shit. But yeah, definitely worth uh, going back and watching that stream. Absolutely. Um, so outside of that, just kind of, tying in the the stress and work and um and just being down there with Lauren and supporting her with everything that's going on with the house and her masters and all that stuff I kind of just needed some comfort food stuff and so um you know I have all of these unplayed RPGs that I could potentially dip my toes into uh, or sink my teeth into like the Mass Effect Legendary Edition I have all three Dragon Age games unplayed Origins 2 and Inquisition um but what game does Rusty startup you know i could go back and play the horizon dlc the witcher 3 dlc but instead rusty downloads or buys on ebay arcania the complete tale which is a spin-off of the gothic rpg series on pc i actually own all of these on steam but i've never actually gotten around to playing them if you're unfamiliar with the gothic series arcania kind of pits you as a uh, built from the ground up protagonist so you don't really get to create your character it's just this generic dude that you play as it is a very bare bones action rpg rpg that tries to emulate the better games that came before it like your elder scrolls like your mass effects your witchers your dragon ages with all of its mechanics basically it's a medieval type rpg where you have a sword and shield you fight a bunch of goblins and your typical stereotypical the orcs and elves and things like that yeah. um but i think it purposefully simplifies mechanics for this streamlined action rpg and i was totally there for it 
I didn't even really know about it until Pete streamed a couple hours of it, and he seemed to enjoy it, and based on the gameplay that I saw, I'm like, this is exactly what I want to be playing right now. End of a long day, veg out, turn on a Twitch stream, listen to a podcast, 15 to 20 hours of hacking and slashing my way to victory, bunch of side quests. It was a really good time, heavy on the trophies, can't complain about that, <laughs> a lot of silvers, a few golds, so uh, it was a good time, and I wouldn't really recommend anyone to get it unless you've like exhausted your options with your Biowares and with your Elder Scrolls type RPGs. But if you've played all of those and you're looking for kind of a bare bones action RPG, check it out. I would definitely recommend you play something like Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning before this. But again, if you're like me and you've played all of those games before, check it out. I think I got it on eBay for 10 bucks or something stupid. So it was definitely uh, worth playing given kind of the frame of mind that I was in. Cool. So enjoyed nice. that one. Uh, the next game was one that Lauren... Um, played last year, really loved, and I know Blink and our, our friends over at IndieQuest, I think, have talked about this quite a bit, and that's Grease, which I think it's pronounced Grease, and it's meant to be gray in Spanish. Yeah. I could be wrong. Fact check me on that. It's been a decade since I've talked or spoken Spanish. Yeah, it's been a while. I took five years of it. I don't really remember much. I took three, and I know nothing, <laughs> <laughs> except hola and, like, some swear words. <laughs> yeah. Um, but story-wise, I mean, it's it's an indie platformer. It's a story about this young girl kind of persevering through this challenging experience, overcoming grief, really kind of in a roundabout way, but also very direct way, finding her voice again. Mm-hmm. And every frame of this game is just absolutely stunning. It has kind of this watercolor aesthetic. As you kind of go through... Um, each, I would say, chapter of the game, you kind of almost not only unlock a new watercolor in the world, but you also kind of unlock a new mechanic in the game, whether it be kind of a double floaty jump, whether it is literally her ability to sing, um, among a few other mechanics in it. It's all beautifully paced. It's about a two to three hour game. I feel like the music in this game just perfectly complements the experience itself the puzzles are so seamlessly blended into the platforming. I mean, this is similar to Journey, where never once does it overstay its wel- uh, its welcome. It sets out to do exactly what the director or the creator's vision was, and it'll probably rank among my favorite games this year. It's just, I cannot overstate how beautiful the game is. I mean, again... Every single moment was just like mind-boggling how good it looks. Nice. And ends very beautifully, kind of brought a tear to my eye. Um, talking about trophies, ended up getting the platinum in this one. Um, wasn't too difficult. The really nice thing about this one is that when you beat it, you can actually go back to earlier chapters okay. and collect these things called mementos. I won't spoil anything about the story, um, you know, outside of saying it's about this young girl kind of persevering and trying to overcome um, kind of a past challenge, if you will. And uh, if you collect all the mementos, you unlock kind of a 30 minute cutscene that really better explains this girl's reason for going on this journey. 30 minutes? 30 seconds, I'm sorry. 
I was going to say, this is like a director's cut. Like, here's why I made this game. <laughs> this is actually directed by Hideo Kojima. Um, yeah, it's like, that's longer than the game. <laughs> no, yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, so be, be sure if you have not played Grease, pick it up. I mean, you can get it pretty uh, inexpensive, 10 bucks or less, I think. And uh, my goodness, is it so, so good. I mean, I just need to get better about um, exploring the indie game scene. Um, and I know, speaking of the Indie Quest, our friends over there, check them out on all your favorite podcasting platformers. Platformers. Got platformers <laughs> in the mind. Um, they they have a quest log of games of like pretty much must-play games or like you don't have to play it right now, but definitely keep an eye on it if it goes on sale. I need to be better about you know going out and trying some more of these indie games because every single time I play one, man, it's like, gosh, why am I not playing more of them? But Grease, really good time. I think you can pretty much get it on every single platform, PC, Xbox, Switch, PlayStation. Do it, play it, you'll love it. You definitely will not regret it. And then uh, really the last two things I've been playing, I'll mention one and then get to the latter. Uh, Similar to the watching the Bond films and really getting in the mood to play Bond games, watching The Last Dance, I was just... You know, my knees are completely broken, so I couldn't really pursue a career in the NBA right now. Um, <laughs> once I get a knee replacement, I'll consider it. But what the next best thing was, was uh, reinstalling NBA 2K20. I think it was on PlayStation Plus at some point or something like that. Maybe yeah, I, I bought so. it for cheap. I can't remember. But I ended up creating a character in that, which is really fun. So you create a character, and then you it's, the mode is called My Career. And then you get to go through all these different basketball camps, go through all these different drills, and then over the course of playing all these kind of pickup games with these up-and-coming players that are coming out of college, you ended up figuring out it's all leading up to the NBA draft. And so leading up, like after all of these different games, you get a better idea of NBA teams that are scouting you okay, and ones that might potentially draft you and also where you are in the draft leading up to it. So whether you're a prospective second rounder, first rounder, or going to be undrafted, it'll kind of let you know. And because I'm a baller, you know, I casually made my way up the ranks. I was a first round draft choice. And then if you get to that point, you get to actually rank your top three teams. I've always been a huge Dallas Mavericks fan, dating back to when Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Finley, Steve Nash were there. Always had a poster of Dirk in my bedroom growing up, so I wanted to be drafted by the Dallas Mavericks. My second team was, I think, the Chicago Bulls. And then I think my third pick was just the Knicks. I just threw something out there because who doesn't want to play at Madison Square Garden? So I ended up getting drafted by the Dallas Mavericks. Awesome. So um, just been playing that similar to Madden. It's one of those things that after a binge of, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is my next game, or Arcania, it's kind of a late night thing where I just play a game or two and and call it good. Is that the game that you quit because it was like, Almost microtransactions that you put like all your resources is all your resources into one character and then you're like, oh shit, I have to build out an entire team. Yeah, so you can basically beat the system by um, maxing out your character's skills like 99 across the board with all of your stats, but then you actually have to pay real world money for the credits it took to level him up. But again, as you're playing these games, based on the number of points you uh, you score number of assists, blocks, rebounds, all of that stuff, you accumulate points in each game. And if you go to practice, you also unlock points. And then you can progressively, or over time, progress your character in a meaningful way. You're still gonna, I don't wanna say you're gonna suck, but it's gonna be more challenging. 
But if you're patient and persistent, I think that's the theme here on today's uh, Talk of Brothers episode, <laughs> you occasionally get better and yeah. you don't have to use the real world money. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of a, a pain in the ass that they have those microtransactions that if you want to max your guy out, you have to do that. Whereas back in the day on like NBA 2K5, when Ben Wallace from the Detroit Pistons was on the cover, you could create whoever the heck you wanted, max out your stats, and there was no microtransactions involved. Yeah, it's just the artificial like slowing down yeah, of the game. Exactly. But it is what it is. I'm still having a heck of a fun time. It's a great um, new podcast type stream game, uh, similar to Madden for me. Very cool. So, uh, and then the last thing, I'll mention it. I'm not going to say much more. Continuing through Final Fantasy VII Remake, still having the time of my life, still so good, holding up in every conceivable way. Totally understand why this game was so many people's game of the year last year, but also why people hold the original Final Fantasy VII in such high regard. So good. I think I just made it to chapter 12 or 13 out of 16 chapters. So making my way downtown. Um, <laughs> I'll eventually wrap this up and I'm sure it'll rank among my favorite games of the year. Very cool. Ryan, here we are two hours later, finally getting to the main topic of the show. It wouldn't be a genuine Otaku Brothers episode if we had a month hiatus and come back and, you know, we we talk for two hours before we actually get to the main topic. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's it's almost like we don't talk ever in that month. Like, 
I haven't seen you in a month. I haven't talked to you once because nor do I want to. We only communicate on recordings. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So. so to kind of set the scene for this little mini segment here, uh, it's really just a mid-year check-in. Kind of as I was saying at the top of the, top of the show, Ryan and I just kind of want to revisit, you know, some of our most anticipated games, uh, where we're at in the year with our beats, uh, kind of our goals leading into the second half of the year, which can you believe it, people? We're already knocking on August's door. Crazy how fast this year is flying when 2020 seemed like an eternity. Uh, But yeah, so just kind of thinking about what we want to play these next couple of months, um, the games that are coming out that we're planning on buying. I know I have to be careful and cautious because there's like 12 games that I could potentially buy, but I don't have a budget of, you know, $1,200 to spend on new releases going into the fall. So I'm going to be a little picky choosy, a little selective, and also try to really get at that backlog of mine. But Ryan, why don't you go ahead and kick things off? How many games beat are you at right now at this point in the year? Two. Whoa. Yeah, so I mean, I can, I'll can i run through what I've played really quick. I went through all of kind of the games played throughout the last, I think it's like 17 episodes. And I've played 17 games this year, or 13 games this year. So I started the year off with Final Fantasy X, put about 20 hours in there, played some Neo 2, obviously RuneScape, both versions, Cookie Clicker. Oh my gosh. The best game of the year contender. Dead Cells. Dead Cells was one I played earlier this year, which was a ton of fun. And then you got, like, Bloodborne. Um, Forge of Empires went back with that. And then the big one, which was towards the beginning half of this year, was Monster Hunter Rise. I think that was March. Mm -hmm. March through April or June that I played that a ton. Played a bit of Terraria, which I think I could see myself definitely going back to. Um, Round Guard. I sucked at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you have that on your beats. And then the new ones, Persona 5 and Devil May Cry. So that's everything I've played the entire year so far. Okay, good stuff. Um, as far as what I've actually beaten, though, it's Monster Hunter Rise, which I think I maybe have 100 plus hours into. So it's a good amount of time. And then I have Dead Cells, okay. which I put a shit ton of time into. I got that a few years ago, and... I played it a little bit, and the roguelike, it was not my scene. I, I think it took Hades to get me into appreciating the roguelike uh, scene. So I ended up playing that a lot. I beat the game. I beat New Game Plus. And there's four, I, there's three New Game Pluses. So you have like the first level of difficulty, and then you go up to, I think, five, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's the final, like, true ending. And I got stuck on New Game Plus 2. So, I'm still proud of it. It's it's definitely more challenging as you go up through those ranks. From what I've heard from the people who go through challenge runs of that game, uh, New Game Plus 2 is kind of that wall for everyone. And then after that, it gets not easier, but more manageable. Um, so, yeah, probably get back into that later. But what about you? What have you played and beaten? Uh, I've beaten... Two games? Yeah. Add a a seven at the end of that. So I'm at about 27 beats right now. Wow. uh, Which for me is, I think, relatively reasonable. I was looking back in prior years and... Is that on pace or is that more? I think it's a little bit more than last year at this time. Um, I can't remember my total for last year. I think it was around like 38, 40. Um, I don't foresee me reaching even 
I'm certainly not going to reach 50 beats this year. It's just not going to happen. But I think overall, it's a well-balanced list of games, you know, given the house, because we bought the house late last year. So the majority of this year has been like stuff in the house, but also stuff outside and around the house, just projects, painting, moving stuff, um, you know, setting up rooms, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I feel like I've been playing a lot of comfort food stuff in a different way than what I needed during the pandemic because yeah. when during the pandemic, I ended up playing through Final Fantasy 15, The Witcher 3, Xenoblade Chronicles, like some really, really meaty games. But, you know, I mean, for comfort food stuff earlier in the year, I got the Platinum again in Spider-Man, uh, kind of remastered, if you will, on PS5. Episode one racer. Uh, I got the platinum in that mm-hmm. uh, Arcania, the one I just recently talked about. So a lot of comfort food stuff, uh, some super jank stuff like Puss in Boots and Disney's up <laughs> on the, the PS3 Lord of the Rings, Aragorn's quest. I played through that again on the PS3, uh, but I've also played some new or newer releases and I can't even believe that Resident Evil eight village came out this year. Oh shit. God, that feels like an eternity ago. It really does. Um, Batland Wonderworld, I played that earlier this year. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you can already get it for pennies. Um, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. Even that seems like it was months ago, and it was just last month. And and then Marvel's Avengers, I played that a couple months ago too. Really enjoyed that. So I feel like I played a relatively balanced list of, you know, RPGs, platformers, uh, even some puzzle games in the Pathless and Operation Tango. So lot of good stuff 27 beats i'll probably come in around 40 by the end of the year just based on what i'm looking at purchasing towards the end of the year and the games i hope to play so nice let's go ahead and just kind of get into our goals i kind of structured this into like you know i'm gonna finish what i started so the games i'm currently playing that i plan to play to completion um my must buys which I only have a handful, again, given the volume of games that are coming out that I want to buy. Um, I also have like a category of most likely to buy, but not sure, given you know my budget. Yeah. And then uh, a few games that are going to complicate things, um, but we'll get to that. So why don't you kick things off for us? I guess the way I structured mine, I basically went through the entire list of games coming out, the list you had up previously by month as they come out. Um, I totally forgot about Rift Apart. You have the physical copy of that. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. I borrow that? Yeah, I'll just charge you a rental fee. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of the ones... I didn't buy the physical copy because I think I was playing some other stuff. I think it was trying to force myself to play Persona. Mm-hmm. But now that's no longer a hurdle for me enjoying life. So uh, yeah, I, I think Rift Apart's one that I'll definitely uh, want to play. Um, I... It'd be a good way to start that series, um, along with finishing Ori mm-hmm. as well. Nice. So those are kind of the near future games for me. Um, we obviously, we're going to Colorado in the next month. Mm-hmm. And when we get back, it'll be Kena. And I Heck, think that's yes. my first big purchase mm-hmm. coming into at, post this episode. I don't want to say this with absolute certainty, but I don't think Kena's getting a physical release. Guess I'm not getting Kena. I, I could be completely wrong. I just, when they said pre-orders were up, I, for some reason, I thought a couple months back it was going to be digital only. I could be completely off base with this. Fact check me, people. Chronos Correction Corner. 
you know, I have, uh, I'm not above being corrected here. So <laughs> let me know. Let me know. I just want my physical dish. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's one I would definitely want physical. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sad, dude. You just, <laughs> you threw off my vibe. So. <laughs> what, what was the Emperor's New Groove? You, you, threw, you threw off my groove. <laughs> yeah. Man, what, I mean, this is a good podcast episode when we get two mentions of Emperor's New Groove on the yeah, show. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, well, regardless, I mean, I bought Ghost of Tsushima physical or digital, so I guess I can stomach Kana. But yeah, I think Kana is the bigger, the next thing that I'd be willing to pay money for mm. on day one. So yeah. like I, I made a mistake probably buying Mario Golf day one, um, which is unfortunate that I bought that full price. But I think I'm willing to, based off of what I've seen for the trailers, how adorable those little black blobs are, buy Kana day one. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And then um, I also, in the near future, I'm loving Blind Forest or Ori in the Blind Forest. So I'll probably, I also have purchased previously will of the wisps so i'll continue that story i don't know if they're separate universes or there's a continuation Mm -hmm. because one came out after the other so who knows if it's like a chronological thing i think they're connected but again i haven't played them so i'm not entirely sure yeah so those are kind of within the next like end of august september time period that's what's on my docket of being played. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll just quickly rattle off my must-buys going into the fall. Kena, Bridge of Spirits, obviously very top of the list. Cannot wait. Day one literally was number one on my most anticipated games going into the year. And based on the footage we've been seeing, I think it's going to deliver. But we shall see in late August. Also got Far Cry 6 coming out uh, October 7th. Love the Far Cry series. Five went in a direction where I wasn't thrilled about, but I think six might kind of steer things back in the right direction for me. So super excited for that. Uh, In November 19th, we got Pokemon Shining Pearl. I think you're going to get Big Double D Diamond or whatever the heck they're calling the (laughs) subtitle there. Um, So yeah, Shining and glistening pearls and diamonds. Yeah. Something ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm getting Shining Pearl because I got to get that purple cover. Um, That hopefully will kind of revitalize my love of Pokemon. I've been a little sour on the series post Sword and Shield, but Shining Pearl, um, of course, I have very fond memories playing Platinum. So looking forward to that. Um, Advance Wars 1 and 2, we got that coming in December. Super duper pumped for that. And then I also have Sonic Colors Ultimate on pre-order coming September 7th. Uh, I pre-ordered that largely because Sonic Colors I always wanted to play on the Wii. And also kind of coming off of the experience playing Sonic Forces. Kind of just had the Sonic high and I figured, what the heck, let's go for it. Let's pre-order that bad boy. And I did. But uh, those are kind of my five must-buys. You know, I got a number of other games that I'm excited for. But if I have to make a list of five, that's kind of where I'm at right now other than the two games on the complicates things list. Before I get to that, Ryan, I'll go, I'll throw things back to you. Yeah, I'll definitely agree. I mean, later half of the year, you have, like you were saying, November and December time period where you have the Pokemon Advance Wars. Mm-hmm. I think those two plus Kana are the three that I'd be like day one for. Advance Wars is my jam. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be, that'll probably be the end of my year playing through both, both of those games. Um, I mean, uh, last year, I think I beat 17 games, but that includes some of the Foxyland and mm. stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping to get 10 games beaten this year so we can talk about top 10. 
dude, come on. That's like a prerequisite for being on this podcast. <laughs> or being just calling myself a gamer. Seriously. Right? Like, Do I even like games? <laughs> if you can't make a top 10 list by the end of the year, we're going to have we're going to have a conversation. Yeah. So uh, I, I think the ones that will round out my year will be the Pokemon. Monkey Ball is one oh, yeah. that I like. I don't know if I'll buy that day one. I think that'll be... We'll see how it's received. But it's I think it's just a remake of the other ones, right? Just shoving everything into one place. Yeah, I also would like to... While I think that's a perfect game to play portably on the Switch, especially for some of the earlier Game Boy Advance versions... I'm kind of waiting on a PlayStation announcement for that. Would that be? Is that a Nintendo property, though? I mean, some of the other Monkey Balls have come to PlayStation. Have they? Banana Blitz. Oh, okay. Yeah, I recently got that on PS4. But um, you yeah, want the trophies? I want the trophies, man. All right. If something is coming, <laughs> Fair enough. if something is multi-platform, PlayStation's my place of buying. Yeah. So um, there's certain games that I think are really great to have portably on the Switch. Uh, and so sometimes I do double dip, but more often than not, I'm going to buy PlayStation first. And then Skyrim being a perfect example, I want to play that game portably. Ukulele, I'm just obsessed and I can't be helped. So I also buy that, bought that on Switch. Okay. So. Yeah, it's fair. I, I totally missed out on Far Cry. Um, mm. Didn't even have that on my list. So Far Cry is another one that looks really good. This would be, I want to say my first Far Cry. I played a little of one of the earlier ones. I played think four. Three. Four. Yeah, I played I four for four. a couple hours. Yeah, but I think this would be one that looks like it could be my first full Far Cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also Death Loop, which yeah. looks really interesting. Yeah, that's on my most likely, but I still need to pay my mortgage. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. What about you? Yeah. So outside of that, my most likely, but I still need to pay my mortgage. List is Metroid Dread coming out uh, October eighth. Uh, Back for Blood coming out October twelfth. I know I talked about really wanting to get a Series X this fall, but I also, I don't think I've mentioned at this point that for our Colorado trip, I did end up getting a GoPro because speaking of that one word, I would like to chronicle our experience out there Mm -hmm. and maybe even edit something together about our experience. And ideally, maybe later in the year when I'm able to finish that edit, it's something that I could share my screen. We could have a Discord party with the Otaku Brothers community. I'll watch it together and get a little inside behind the scenes look about our trip. That'd be really cool. So I got a GoPro. That was definitely not uh, for free. So uh, that ate into my fun budget and whether or not I'm going to buy a Series X. And Lauren said pretty definitively that, listen, if you get this, you're not getting that, which is completely fair. So unless I can you know, figure out a few things around the game room, to potentially pass on to a new person and sell it off on the old Ebays. Maybe I'll potentially fund a Series X, but I also don't feel like right now there's anything that I need to get the Series X for outside of Halo, and I can play that on the PC um, while we wait for some of the stuff like coming out next year, you know, coming away from that Xbox showcase that looked great. Um, Forza Horizon 5, like there's a lot of games that I want to play, but in terms of like needing to pay $580 right now. Yeah, it's a steep entry fee to play games. I can be patient. I can be a little patient for those. And I can always get Game Pass on PC and I think pay, play Back for Blood on that. And even if it's not on PC uh, with Game Pass, there's other offerings on there that I can experience until I have the the cash to, to throw down for the Series X. So, um, And I only say that because Back for Blood will be a Game Pass day one title. So there's that. And then the final game that's most likely, but not sure about yet, 
is Mario Party Superstars. Love the Mario Party series, but I can also easily use my little HDMI adapter and hook my N64 to the big TV if we have some friends or family over and want to play the OG 3 Mario Party titles. So we'll see, but definitely a game I'll eventually get. And then I'll just quickly rattle this thing off. My complicates things list is Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, which comes August 20th. Yeah. Um, I did end up pre-ordering that on PS5 because, like you kind of mentioned earlier, I also got it digitally on PS4 when it released last year. It ended up being my game of the year last year, so I'm super excited about being able to replay it on PS5. It's getting a performance boost. We're getting an entirely new area to explore, adding probably around 8 to 10 hours um, to the game. Plus, getting those PS5 trophies, all right? You don't have to convince me. I'm just gonna do it. So, super excited to play that again, but that'll complicate me being able to not only buy some of these other games, but just play other games. And then also, in a similar vein, Death Stranding is getting a director's cut coming September 24th. And while I'm not gonna buy an entirely new copy of the game, I'm pretty sure I can upgrade for 10 bucks to get all of that additional content, and I think I get a trophy reset for my PlayStation 5. So it'll be uh, interesting to play through those first 10 hours again because it was quite a slog, but um, to hear that church's music once again should be worth it. Yeah, yeah, I think Ghost, we were talking on one of our breaks about that. I didn't realize they were getting a fourth island or a fourth segment to the game, Um, so that kind of complicates my list as well. Um, I'm also not sure if I want to buy Skyward Sword. I want to play oh, it because yeah. I've never played Skyward Swords originally, and that would be my third Zelda game in the series. Um, and I know Ben, who had never played it originally as well, is enjoying the crap out of it. Man, I forgot about that too. I got the Joy-Cons, but I didn't end up picking up the game, and that's one of my favorite 3D Zeldas ever. So yeah, that's another one I could see myself. That seems like, to me, a good Christmas time game. Kind of, you know, you can't go anywhere. Snow is on the ground. You get all your little pajama pants on. Yeah. Get a nice hot cup of coffee and play Skyward Sword. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, Deathloop is another iffy one for me if I want to buy that or wait for it to go on sale. And then I have a few backlog ones. I have Sackboy, which I never ended up beating. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, if I'm coming off the Ori kick of platformers, that one was one that I... I think I got through the first area, but I really enjoyed my time. Yeah, and if you want to play some co-op, we can literally go through the whole game together. So Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, I was just trying to collect some of those orbs to unlock mm-hmm. different things. Um, I know you probably every podcast you tell me Final Fantasy fifteen, mm-hmm. but I think that would be the first one to try to get into Final Fantasy before I go to 17 or 17 seven remake, which I know I'll love. Yeah. And I just kind of want to pause all the listeners that are probably grabbing their phones and getting ready to, to write Ryan uh, a a novel on the discord about why he shouldn't start with Final Fantasy 15 and instead play seven remake or, you know, the better game, the best Final Fantasy in 13. I get it people, but (laughs) um, 15, I think is the best starting point for you just based on your love of monster hunter yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of games I've played previously. It's for me in JRPGs, it's hard for me to play them. Like it's not what I'm used to playing. I'm used to more Western RPGs. Yeah. And it's either I don't play Final like any Final Fantasies or I start something more It's like Castlevania for Nikki to like a more traditional full metal. Mm-hmm. It, you have to ease yourself into that 
size in that type of game. So yeah, yeah, I think fifteen would also be a good one. Where I play it in the year, I don't know, but and then lastly, another thing is I'm pretty close to the platinum for uh, Kingdom Hearts three. So oh, yeah, I knocking out the th- few remaining trophies that I have wouldn't be too difficult. It was just I have like two food things from Flan that suck but yeah i want to knock that out as well yeah you and i kind of both went back to kingdom hearts 3 to try and get the platinum and eventually i want to go through the whole game again and play the remind dlc but um yeah i kind of put that on pause for other games too so we'll see that could be a fun one yeah uh well is that it for you yeah that's my list for the rest of the year nice well i just have another quick little um category which is really just games to play with lauren with her wrapping up her masters i'm really excited at the the, the prospect of playing more games with her, uh, even if it's not co-op, just playing through the same game at the same time. So the other night we were thinking about getting this new RPG called Chris Tales or Chris Tales um, came to PS5, PS4. I think every console also came out on Switch and it looks pretty good. But I was actually talking uh, to Blink last night. And he said it's it's okay. It's probably the most seven out of ten RPG he's played in a while. So I thought, okay, let's let's not do that right now. And the Final Fantasy games were on sale on Amazon for Switch. And so I told Lauren, why don't you get Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy XII? And later this year we can pick one of those to play, probably ten. And since I've started ten a number of times but never played to completion. And as I said earlier in the show, I think that's a great introduction to the series. For someone who's more familiar with just the turn-based RPGs, it's a little straightforward, pretty linear, and I don't think it's too uh, challenging of a game uh, for really anyone kind of getting their feet wet with uh, JRPGs. So she ended up ordering both 10 and 12, and I'm excited to maybe play that with her later this year. She also wants to play Ori and the Blind Forest, so we might play that game together. Cool. when she bought Okami HD on the Switch, I also got it for the PlayStation 4. So I think she played about 10, 15 hours of it and put it down, but really enjoyed her time with it. So that might be something her and I, uh, she might revisit, but I might start up on PlayStation later in the fall uh, if these other games don't keep me too busy. And then the final one, another game I've started a number of times, but for one reason or another, I've continued to keep putting it down is God of War. Yes. <laughs> Especially with, you know, not really knowing when Ragnarok come, is going to come out. I know it's, you know, said to come out sometime next year. Um, I obviously need to play and finish this game prior to ever thinking about playing that one. And I know Lauren really wants to play it as well. And so since I have a PS4 copy and it's part of the PlayStation Plus collection, I'm thinking about um, her and I going through that together. And that'll just make for outstanding dinner conversation you know would you play it like couch not couch co-op or like swap controllers or you play it together no separately so she'd be downstairs playing it on ps4 okay and i'd be up here playing it on ps5 okay yeah no that would be yeah i'm curious i mean i almost more or less gave up hope you completing that anytime soon i know you played it on twitch originally and well where that is a good game to play on Twitch, you lose a lot of just having to talk to chat and people and keep that conversation going. You lose a lot of the banter between some of the side characters mm-hmm. and a more of that story. Um, so yeah, headphones and just focusing on that would be 
probably the best experience. Yeah. So that's my hope, but that's about it. I think, you know, just a quick 20 minute check in where are we at with the year? What are we planning to play? What have we beaten so far? Um, there's a lot of great games coming out in the, you know, towards the end of the year. So I'm super excited. No shortage of games, both to play and our backlogs and with new releases. But as always the good people, please get in the discord. Let us know what you're excited to play. What have you been playing? I know I've been a little checked out from the discord more recently, just because a lot of stuff going on in RL, trying to best support Lauren with the, you know, her coming to the tail end of her master's program right now. Just a lot going on, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. Gotta prioritize the right things. And these past couple weeks, it's been life. So, um, but always happy to see people getting involved in the Discord, conversations flowing. So let us know, what are you excited for going into the fall months? But Ryan, as we always do, Towards the end of these podcast episodes, I gotta, you know, pass baton back to you. Do you want to talk about our potential game of the year coming in, looking at the future games? Oh, it's gotta be Kana. Okay. Yeah, no, I think I'm on the same page, that, or maybe one of the Ori's. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's probably gonna be Kana. We'll yeah. see. Potential game of the year that we haven't played. Let us know that one too. <laughs> yeah. Let us know that one too. Very curious. Well, it doesn't have to be a new release either. If there's a game you plan to play, and you think it could rank as your game of the year. I know a lot of people haven't played Resident Evil 8 yet. They're waiting for the spooky season to play that one. So let us know what do you think your game of the year is going to be that you have not played yet. Love to hear from you. But now, Ryan, I have to pass the baton to you and say, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, so I have a fun fact. So before when we were going to record yesterday, I woke up early, took the dog on a long walk to kind of try to get rid of some of her giant energy restore or stores and we went on kind of around the pond that big circle mm-hmm. in the back of my neighborhood and there was just a group of ducks and i was like i have no idea what the plural of ducks is like how do i refer to them and i was like okay well i have i have to google this shit so i know and it's a team of ducks a brace of ducks or a paddling of ducks i was like some of those are kind of odd, so let's look up some other ones. Because I know there there's some weird pluralizations mm-hmm. of animals. So I have a few. Oh, okay, perfect. So it's a colony of beavers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that one's a weird one. An army of caterpillars. Huh. I don't really think of, like, an army for caterpillars. They're not, like... Caterpie does not instill much fear into me. <laughs> there is actually that Pokemon... In the newest generation, I think, which is a, I think it's supposed to be a phalanx, but it almost looks like a caterpillar with like a, a javelin. Uh, so the next is a quiver of cobras. That's weird. Yeah, that one's weird. It, like a quiver for like arrows. Yeah. I, I don't think of cobras like just whipping out arrows and or cobras and putting them on your bow. Yeah. Um, you got a murder of crows. I've heard that. Which is probably pretty accurate yeah um you have you have a charm of finches okay that's strange that's very odd a army or colony of frogs mm-hmm. okay. okay a litter of pigs when i think of litter i what? usually think of like puppies like or a litter of cats yeah. yeah not pigs um this is the probably one of the weirdest ones an unkindness of ravens <laughs> that is very strange. I mean, when I think about the Baltimore Ravens, I would consider that to be They're pretty, very unkind. Pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then two more, a pledge of wasps. 
Huh, that's strange. And then the lastly is a descent of woodpeckers. So it seems like wow. all the birds have the weird ones. You have a descent of woodpeckers, unkindness of ravens, and then a murder of crows. Very strange indeed. Um, so yeah, so those are things that you know now. <laughs> well, we, we say it often here in Otaki Brothers, my friends. This is an educational program. Ryan, every single week, or every single episode, I should say, is coming with the fun facts. Hopefully, hopefully you learned something today. I definitely did. So check in in future episodes, or if you missed some previous ones, go back to the tail end of the show. That's why you get to stay the whole time. Ryan's got fun facts. We get to play some fun tunes. There's just always something to stay uh, you know, logged on to the show. Make sure you listen to the whole show because there's always something towards the end. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you're not in the Discord, click the link in the show notes. If you want to write into the show, let us know how we're doing or you know, ask us a question, whatever it might be. Write us an email at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and we will see you in a future episode that I don't know when we're recording. Yeah, see ya in the future sometime. (laughs) 